Hey everybody and welcome back to Fighting Films, a podcast where us three friends pit two films against one another that are similar to us in some way. Maybe they have very similar plots, maybe they share directors and themes, maybe they're an adaptation of a famous novel, or maybe there's just something personal for each of us. Either way, the discussion's going to be fun, so let's get those films fighting. This is another show that was previously released on an episode of Shooting the Shit, as we have done on other episodes that were previously released before the official new format of the show. We're recording a discussion about these films featuring the trio so that all of our thoughts and perspectives will be equally presented in the episode. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris, and with me is... I'm Stefan. I'm the uh, show creator, the uh, stat person, fun fact generator, and critical aggregate. Awesome. And also... Oh, hey, I'm Jess. You know, I am the social media guru, as dubbed by Chris and Stefan. I take care of the Gmail, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, and our Patreon, where you can find us all at Finding Films Podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Jess. And this one's a unique one. I, I don't know if we've actually released in the official new format any episode where we've done more than two movies um but here's one of them so stefan tell us what we were talking about so uh for this episode we discussed lake placid anaconda and deep blue sea the three film creature feature face-off i love Mm -hmm. it we actually have another first going on right now is that stefan and i are recording on the same device and in the same room woohoo I was going to say, this is breaking all kinds of traditions. Isn't the whole point of making podcasts that we're supposed to be like away from each other and antisocial? Nope. No, not us. Legitimate no, friends. 2021, that was for 2020. Yes, legitimate <laughs> friends, folks. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, like Stefan said, we've got Lake Placid, Anaconda, and Deep Blue Sea. You know, deepest, bluest. I wish my hat was like a shark's fin, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but starting out, uh, you know, Jess, what are your thoughts on Lake Placid? Um, I, you know, I got to mention, even just starting out, I love all three of these movies. Um, I, as I said to Stefan, like, I don't need to rewatch these movies because I've seen them so much, but I love to rewatch these movies. Oh, yeah. So um, I actually watched all three of them over the last couple of weeks. Um, I They are definitely big in the creature feature categories for me. Um, Lake Placid, I just, I love so much on so many different levels. I mean, besides that, it's, you know, giant gators or crocs. Um, you know, and you've got the basis of, you know, uh, Bridget Fonda and Bill Pullman, not Paxton. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And, you know, uh, all that stuff that they're going through. Besides, hello, Mariska Hargitay. What? I know she's she's in the movie for all of like five minutes. Oh, I think it's less. (laughs) Well, even so, like, uh, not not Olivia Benson, Mariska Hargitay, but still gorgeous nonetheless. Um, So we've got the base story with Bill Pullman and Bridget Fonda, you know. And then on top of that, you bring in Oliver Platt, who is just 
all around bringing extra zaniness to the role. And then coming in out of nowhere is Betty White. The queen. With a sailor mouth. Like. It it was such a brilliant choice. it, It was. I had so much joy when she told the cop to suck her cock. Like, that was amazing. Officer, if I had a dick, this is about the time I'd tell you to suck it. I couldn't believe that. (laughs) And, uh, oh man, just every single part in this. Like, Betty White is a national treasure, and so, like, there's no way to not talk about her, especially in this movie. She's, she's, like, the shining light in this movie. She's so wonderful. Um, but this movie is almost the perfect storm, you know, um, with all of these different things going on, there's never a dull moment, or if there is, it's an edge of the seat suspense moment, like what's going to happen. And then, you know, coming up to the end where we find out that, you know, Betty White is feeding the baby crocklings, <laughs> like, uh, uh, I just, I, I love it so much. Yeah, she she's unbelievable in this, and like the movie, it I I don't know if uh, I I mean I do mention this in the main episode, but just so you know, the summer that these two movies came out, I had um or the two of these three movies because I think Anaconda came out the year prior, if I'm not mistaken. It was um, uh, two years prior. Two years prior, um, I saw Lake Placid and Deep Blue Sea in a triple feature with The Haunting. And oh, the that haunting isn't makes good. Sense. <laughs> but but like Placid <laughs> and Deep Blue Sea, we we they were like the bookends because mm. I had I had broken my leg, so my mom took us to everything. So we went and saw these movies, and nice. we all had so much fun with Lake Placid. And I remember still to this day, my mother will remind me that's the movie with Betty White telling the cop to suck her dick. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's it. I'm. I'm pretty sure that's the same thing my mom says. I um, I mentioned this in the episode, but yeah, I I saw in theaters with my mom. I'm pretty sure it was the first uh, uh, R-rated. I, I, yeah, if you want to, yeah, you'd call this horror. First R-rated horror yeah. movie I saw in theaters, and it was just like such a thrill, and, and, nice. my mom, and we both loved it. Mike, introduce yourself to the interwebs. Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, my Michael Magstad. Um, and uh, Stefan uh, thought it would be great for me to, to be a guest on this show. So thank you, Stefan, for inviting me. And thank you, Christopher, for having me. And um, I don't know, I can be reached, let's say, at 4J7 at uh, AOL.com. I'm, I'm MigMag on most on, on Twitter, on uh, Facebook. So, yeah, uh, feel free to grab me on there. And, yeah, great. Uh, thank you for having me again. Oh, dude, you're very welcome. I think you're the second person I've encountered um, in our bracket of people that, besides my brother, that still have an AOL email address. So good on you. <laughs> yeah, I'm old school. <laughs> no, that's awesome. We, we, yeah. we, I had to help my father-in-law um, install AOL on his brand new computer the other day, and I'm just rolling my eyes like, why <laughs> do you still have this? <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's okay. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we all had it. I was Ultraman 20 and then uh, Chippa15 at AOL.com um, <laughs> way back in the day. 
Yeah, so I mean, movie that I watched for this podcast was uh, Lake Placid. It's, um, I, you know, I, I just I I like it a lot. Um, for that, I like I like your movie a lot too. I'm not a huge fan of Anaconda, but uh, yeah, no, this is, um, you know, it's got some. Uh, you know, great stars, and I mean, I I like Bridget Fonda, of course. Uh, Betty White is uh, is great for she's like I'm I'm a huge Golden Girls fan, so you know anything she's in, you know, a Hard Rain, uh, this, you know, she's been in lots of things, but uh, yeah. So when I saw that she was in this, I had to see it because uh, Golden Girls had ended a few years before that the movie was made, and I just was like anything with Betty White. So uh, and it ended up being a good movie, you know. So yeah, I I like. Uh, you know, it's about this giant, uh, you know, alligator in Maine and, well, crocodile, actually. And it was, uh, it was, you know, I'm always a fan of those types of things. Obviously, that idea of, of having, you know, the biggest ever, you know, started way back, what, with Jaws, you know, where they came yep. up with these movies mm-hmm. where they just had to, you know, go a little bit bigger than actual. And, and it's just, you know, I've always liked those types of movies. So, um, yeah, so it was, uh, you know, a movie that I, I've... I've liked ever since it came out and um, you know, it's a movie. I, I've kind of watched it probably pretty much every year. So yeah, great, great movie. And uh, I don't know. Well, I, yeah, I, I, of the three, it's, it was my, as soon as I heard, I, although I loved it, like I said, I love deep blue sea also. So that was a great movie and, you know, like quite a bit different than this one. You know, this one had some funny moments in it. Deep blue sea didn't really have as many funny moments. So um, yeah, that's another reason I like this. It's kind of a lighter side movie. Um, so yeah, good movie. Mike, do you, know what, do you uh, go ahead, sorry. Go oh, ahead, Stephanie. Do you, sorry. Do you remember? Do you remember, Mike? Uh, when did you first see it? Um, I I try to remember if I I actually don't remember if I saw this one in the theater or if I waited till you know I had you know the everything package cable at the time. So I probably if I didn't see it in the theater, I definitely saw it you know within six months of it coming out. And uh, you know, I just remember you know. Uh, you know, oh, that sounds interesting, and yeah, it was it was a great. Uh, uh, yeah, I saw it pretty close. I, I guess I can't remember if I saw it in the theater because again, it's been twenty twenty one years, <laughs> so it's been, it's been a while. But uh, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a movie that I definitely, as soon as I heard about it, I wanted to see it. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you- I. Uh, um, sorry, Chris. No, go you? ahead. No, go okay. ahead. You, you're finishing a thought. I just, I, I'm, I'm realizing something about this movie. I never knew after okay. reading something. So go no ahead. <laughs> yeah. I saw it, um, in theaters with my mom. It was probably, probably one of the first R rated movies I saw in theaters. I was like 12. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that age, it's like when you're just, when you can do that, it's like that thrill. It, it, it just, it, it's, it's like a thrill, you know, of like seeing, an R-rated movie, you know, like, like that, you know, extreme violence or, you know, extreme content just blown up in front of you like that on the Mm. big screen. When you're that age, you just get that thrill. I still get that thrill when I see any NC-17 rated movie period in any capacity. You still feel that thrill. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the, the, the fun, the fun thing with a movie like Lake Placid, it falls into that genre of things that are R rated. So of course they're, you shouldn't be seeing them like it's that extreme thing when you're a 13 year old, a 12 year old, but there's nothing. And again, what one could argue there's language, you know, and stuff that a little kid might not need to be hearing, but there's nothing altogether wholly scarring about what happens in this film. Like it, it's, it's, it's scary enough and it's violent enough and it certainly deserves to be rated R, but it's, 
it, it it's benign you know what i mean and i think that mm-hmm. that i i you know whereas some movies you know there's the subject matter requires an r even if they're not violent enough this one of course you know people's heads are getting bitten off and you know people are getting eaten and stuff's happening so it kind of needs to be but um i i also loved you know kind of like the end of an era for a lot of actors. Like it was great that Bill Pullman was still showing up and stuff around this time with Mm -hmm. this, you know, he was a main character and then he showed up in the grudge for that one little seat that we didn't really hear from him much, but he was huge in the late eighties and early nineties. I'm reading, I'm reading here. I don't know if you guys knew this. I think one of the reasons why the horror comedy element, which they didn't build this movie as a horror comedy, they build this movie as a straight horror movie and the horror is definitely still straight horror, but the right. characters, mm-hmm. the characters were written so damn funny. And mm-hmm. I realized the reason for that is because David E. Kelly wrote this. David E. Kelly is the writer of LA law, Dookie Hauser, mm-hmm. um, Chicago hope, Ali McBeal, um, Boston legal and the practice mm-hmm. like, and then this movie, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just completely bonkers, right? The like, yeah. You see, you wanted to write a movie about a big crocodile. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you know, and but I'm glad you, he did you it. You mentioned, you know, how funny it is. I remember there was a post like the, the, like, yeah, the characters in that movie are just so cool. Like on IMDb, uh, back what you know the IMDb IMDb message boards RIP years ago yeah. there was a post where this someone was like I just want to hang out with the characters in this movie was yeah, what it said. Like, everyone just seems so cool and you know you mentioned like people that don't you know aren't in a lot anymore Oliver Platt yeah and Oliver Platt had won like an Academy Award a couple of years before this movie he came was out. like the token supporting character in the 90s it seemed he was yep. like everywhere. And then now and he was on, wasn't he on like some, like, like not law and order, but something like that recently. He did yeah. a show like that. Yep. And, and Bridget Brett- Fonda, Bridget Fonda, of course has retired and is living off of uh Danny Elfman's royalties. She'll never yep. have to work ever. And with the Simpsons royalties alone. Are you kidding me? And then we get, you know, <laughs> Brendan Gleason who anytime Brendan Gleason shows up in a movie like this, I always ask myself, I love that he does it because he just he's all over the place. He shows up in everything. Yeah. Brendan mm-hmm. Gleason is a better actor than most of the movies he's in deserve. Like yes. I, I watched um a- AI for another podcast that's coming out mm-hmm. soon the other day, and I adore that friggin' movie. Um I saw that movie for the first time when I was in Duluth. It's, it's my a, parents. It, I've never it's, seen that movie. It's a bastard of a movie. It's mean, but Brendan Gleeson was so unbelievable in the little bit he's in, in that movie mm-hmm. where I'm just like, and yeah. you know, watching that in 2001, you're like, Oh, this is a fantasy. No one in America is really that awful. And then you watch the movie now and you go, Oh no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're and they're in the white and they're in the white house. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh God. Um, but, but yeah, no, another thing, um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Lake Placid was also directed by Steve Miner. Uh-huh. And, and, Steve, and Steve Miner is a bit of a um, journeyman director. He, uh, you know, he's never like he, he, actually all three of these movies were directed by kind of journeyman directors who had um, interesting careers. But Steve Miner was known in 80s horror as like a big deal. Mm-hmm. So Steve Miner Friday the 13th, right? Did, or one of he, something like that. He did Friday the 13th part two. He did Warlock. Mm-hmm. He did um, House. Those mm-hmm. movies were awesome. And he did Halloween H2O, 
a year before Lake Placid, which is right. better than it has any right being. Yes, I agree. Um, and you know, as as I love, I love the, you know, um, I love the the new Halloween. And Mike, we saw that in theaters, right? The new Halloween in 2018. We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. 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 You know, I love that movie, but yeah, H2O and just had a, you know, throughout the continuity of that. I mean, I guess it was a little convoluted, but you know. No, I loved, I loved seeing a Halloween movie as a late nineties. Slasher. Yeah. Slasher movie. A post scream slasher. Right. right, Because all of, all of the other Halloweens, even the ones they were making in the nineties were kind of stuck in in the John Carpenter land eighties thing yeah. that they were doing. Yeah. And the H2O kind of went, what if we set this in like the scream? I know what you did last summer universe. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that about it because it made it feel, I wouldn't say trendy. It just put it in a place in time. But then that, that new Halloween is just timeless. That new yeah. one they made is, is yeah. just the epitome of how to make a perfect horror movie. In my opinion, speaking, speaking of, I know what you did last summer when I do Anaconda, we're going to, we're going to get to, there's a reference in that. Nice. <laughs> I, I will say though, I'm stick a pin really, in that. Stick a pin in that. Yeah. Yes, I am really surprised that Steve Miner's career did not end after being involved in the debacle that was Soul Man. Did any of you guys ever? I have. This I have. I have ne- with Eddie Murphy. Right. No. Oh no. Soul Which Man one? is. Soulman is C. Thomas Howell, a white guy who puts mm. on blackface to get into college. Oh yes. yeah, I've heard oh, of that. God. I've heard of that. Okay, for years, for years, I thought the I thought that was the movie White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> I thought that was that movie. I am not kidding. And I finally I saw that movie like a few years ago on demand for free. I'm like, okay, this is not the very different. Not, not this is not what I thought. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, I've seen clips of that movie on like, I'm like, holy crap. This, how did this ever, how did this ever happen? That's a real, that's how did this get made? If that's not an episode, yes. it should be. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what are, what are, um, what was I going to say, Stefan, what are your, you said you saw Lake Placid with your mom. What, what's more of the thoughts you have on it? Cause it, it really is a blast of a little movie. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I really like it, you know, for, for, for another example of a movie, it's it's really sh- it's like eighty two minutes. It's, it's super, super short. short, yeah, super short. But it doesn't feel that short. Like it 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 doesn't drag, but it just has like a pretty decent story when you think mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. something that reminds me of of similar things, and it, they're going to come up because people will ask of them. Have either of you seen the movie Rogue? Yes. Uh, in 2007, no, I have not. I have, uh, and not for lack of trying. What was the other? And, and th- there was a movie out around the, uh, was it Primal, Primeval about yep, a crocodile? It, yep, yeah, yep. There's so yeah. Rogue, Rogue, Primeval was another one, and they're actually both pr- Ro- Rogue is strange because Rogue, Rogue is like if Lake Placid wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Know. And I yeah, don't mean that as a detractor yeah. for it. I just no. mean rogue rogue sinks or swims on whether or not you believe the seriousness of it because rogue is a nasty fucking movie and it's gator effects are really good rogue was actually done by a uh, greg mclean who did um wolf creek, creek. yes and speaking um of, speaking of nasty movies yeah oh nasty, yeah nasty just like misogynistic yeah, Almost. and that's that, and, yeah. no no it is and that's why mm-hmm. i was worried about rogue and rogue definitely 
oversteps some of the I, I can't like Wolf Creek is I mean he definitely understands how to make a horror movie but Wolf mm-hmm. Creek is just too much for me but um have you guys seen Crawl yes yeah is that also didn't we see that together we, we, we saw that in theaters yeah we yes. did I, during, I just, during I, a rainstorm funny enough oh, no, no shit I yeah. just love I, I love this genre I love big alligator and crocodile movies uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I think Lake Placid still sits at the top of the heap for yes. me, for me, because it has the balls to be funny about it. Yes. And, and the rest of them didn't do that. They're all too self-serious. Mm-hmm. And crawl crawl, I think is the opposite of Lake Placid in the sense that it needed to be a little bit longer. It I did. It there, did but- when you're doing character exposition, during the chase scenes, you need more time. And just that ending I thought was too abrupt. I agree. Crawl is crawl though. Crawl though. I, I'm pretty sure is the best film that director has made and he's been trying his ass off. So I get direct again. So, so he made high tension, which I I like that movie, which I I feel I, I know. I agree. I feel high tension loses me when it decides to fight club. It's ending. That's my yeah. problem with high tension because yeah, it doesn't yeah, earn it. I agree. Because it doesn't earn it. Other than that, I thought high tension was awesome. Yeah. Um, he did um, the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, which I really, really dislike. I really like. Oh, yeah. you dislike. Yeah, and I don't know what it is about it because I think it's a. I think the horror and the updates they do are all great. I uh-huh. couldn't. I couldn't handle the characters. I I thought yeah, like the original yeah. Hills Have Eyes. They make you like the people. And in this movie, I hated all of them. So I'm just like, it's, it's the hostile problem for me where I'm like, I don't care. I don't care if any of you die, you know, the original, the original Hills have eyes. I thought was a little like, um, I mean, it it definitely shows its age. Oh, oh yeah. It shows its age. It's like the original last house on the left. Um, yeah, I mean that, yeah, I mean. Even I mean the remake and the remake is still pretty good. I really like the remake of Last House on the Left. Actually, Jesse wants to watch the remake pretty soon, so we probably will do that. Anyway, sorry, um, sorry to detract. Um, he also no, did he also not. did the two Piranha remakes, which were a lot of fun. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> um, but but those, I feel those are fun, fun I, movies. I feel yeah. they're much more like Lake Placid. I feel Crawl yeah. was a really good return to form of. <laughs> I'm just gonna make a nasty little movie. You know, Crawl yeah. felt a lot like high tension to me. You know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. So, um, uh, Mike, do you have do you have more thoughts on Lake Placid before we let uh, Stefan go? Um. No, I just recommend everyone watch it because it's like you said, it's it's a much better and deeper movie than any other alligator crocodile movie you're gonna find. So and, it's funny, it's yeah, it's cute. There's a little bit of a love story in there. Yep. You know, there's a few things going on. And mm-hmm. they do they do this great job of you know, in ninety-nine I was what, fifteen, sixteen years old. And in 99, I was, you know, all about digital effects. You know, you got to see some cool digital effects. And I got to say, even though Lake Placid, I think, has one scene with full digital effects, the rest are really good puppet work on on some that, you know, I think I've watched it, you know, about a week ago and it still really holds up the CG on the Crocs when, when all hell breaks loose there at the end. And like, you find out there's a second crocodile after they blow one of them up and I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. And it really still holds up because they used it so sparingly, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, that's a fatal mistake. Lots of them make, <laughs> and they oh, didn't fatal, make that mistake. Yeah. A fatal mistake. All of the Sci-Fi Channel ones make. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I will say, I will say, the Lake Placid two is not completely terrible. No, Lake Placid two was a blasting. You know, David yeah. E. Kelly also wrote it. Mm, <laughs> I don't know how yeah. they got him to do the sequel, but he did. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> All right, let's hear about Anaconda because this okay. was this was a few well, years prior, and I was a lot younger. Let me close it out with, "You're welcome, Officer Fuckmeat," <laughs> <laughs> or or sorry, Officer. If I had a dick, this is about the time I tell you to start sucking it. Oh Betty my White. god, I know. Betty White is like national treasure. When she when she dies, I will need at least one day off of work. That is a promise. <laughs> the I, world I will mourn. I think the I world think will mourn. Yeah. For the love of God, can we get through 2020 without? <laughs> yeah. Please, 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 please. You motherfuckers. Please. You motherfuckers silently took Chadwick Boseman. Please leave Betty White. I know. Please. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was uh, such that. That just I, I still can't believe that. It's fucking that. devastating. There's no there's no way there's no way around it. It's Especially right like, now. Right now. It's, it's like, like what the hell? You know, yeah. <laughs> well, how you much know, of a metaphor is that? Jesus I know. Christ. You know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anywho, yeah. Um, back to stupid giant animal movies. <laughs> Yeah, um, if I'm going to go with a that person actor, I'm going to go with Mariska Hargitay. Like, even awesome. though she's in it for a blink, I mean, and this is a baby Mariska Hargitay. Like, super young, like, early seasons of SVU, if even in that already. It was a few months before SVU began, actually. Okay. Right before. Okay, so didn't even know that... SVU was going to be a you know what twenty year career, like <laughs> it it's just mad. And Baby Mariska did just fine. Did actually really great as the you know nasty best friend. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't really call her nasty, but um, conniving. Yeah. Um, she didn't really have enough screen time for me to really, like. Well, I mean, say, I mean, she she got that. her story arc by in yeah. the short time she was on, <laughs> but like conniving, like in almost a naive kind of way, I guess. Yeah, was, yeah. Like I slept with him, but I thought you guys weren't together anymore, or yeah. something like that. I don't know. Anyway, that's my that person actor, mm. um, and then my MVP is Obs Betty White. Of like, course, yes. Has to. Um, although, honorable mention, I must talk about the way that Croc took down the helicopter. Because that oh, was yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. What about you, Stefan? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I agree on the MVP, you know, Betty White. You <laughs> there's, know, she, there's she, no other. <laughs> she might be more, she might be the most memorable part of this movie, even oh, more so than yeah. the Croc. Definitely. Yeah. Um, my, my, that guy. He was kind of like the that guy of the '90s. I feel like Oliver Platt. Yep. Like, like he was. I felt like he was in everything around this time. Like, kind of. If, if, if you needed, if you needed, kind of like an eccentric, supporting. I hate to use this word, but like chubby, like yeah. side character. He was the person you hired for that, and um, 
you know, he, he finally broke out of that. I feel like in the two thousands and wasn't he, uh, in the 2010s on like a law and order show was, a, yes. was I right about that? Yeah. yeah. Something like, it was a law and order or, or, um, NCIS. One, one of those. Yeah. One of those. those yeah. I have was, no idea. He was going to be my, my, that guy as well. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess even, even though he is technically one of the stars, I, I always, that guy, Bill Pullman and it, it, for the reason of at the time, everybody knew who he was. He was in everything, but I feel like you show somebody this movie now and they're going to watch a few key movies like this independence day, maybe space balls. And it's going to take like a few of them for it to kick in. That's the, that's that guy. You know what I mean? Even Mm -hmm. though we all grew up with it. So it's like, you know, Bill Pullman is awesome. But I, I feel I like still get the Pullman Paxton mix up. <laughs> I I think we in the main episode may have done that each, and I had to edit it each time. <laughs> oh no! I feel like that's something I would have corrected you on pretty quickly. No, I think we. It just it was like um. I I remember having to edit it. It was like a note that we put down that like oh crap we did oh, that okay. and we have to fix it like immediate. <laughs> it it is what it is though. Um, right. And I was going to say, yeah, with Betty White is definitely the MVP. So, Stefan, how did the critics um, take Lake Placid? Yeah. So, uh, critically, uh, as per Rotten Tomatoes, as usual, uh, 47%. And the audience score is a surprisingly low 37%. Okay. I, I would have picked this surprised as a crowd by that. Wow. Yeah. It should be at least 60% or more. I feel like they both should be a 60. I I don't know why, like all three of these movies have their tongues firmly placed in cheek. You know, none of these, none of these are serious, you know? And, um, I feel like, like even doing like Roger Ebert, I think liked all three of these movies or at least like, no, he he did not like Lake Placid. That was the one he didn't like. Which really, like, and he loved, he loved Anaconda, which, I mean, I, I don't think one is much better or different than the other. No, like all of these movies are on an even playing field to me as far as my enjoyment level, you know? So that's very strange. Because um, Roger Ebert was usually the type of critic that could admit when he was an easy person to please. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be like, oh, yeah, this gets three stars because I just had a blast. And he'd be like, all right, <laughs> cool. And I don't know, Lake Placid. Maybe it's because it came out so close to Deep Blue Sea and Deep Blue Sea was just the big, shiny, you know, large budget thing. And Lake Placid wanted more to just be a comedy. I don't know. But I mean, quite honestly, if you think about the two of them, they're kind of opposites. Very true. True. You know, one is set in the woods with small town cops and, you know, way out in nowhere. And then, you know, one is set in a high-tech, you know, medical facility with doctors all over the place and all sorts of stuff and sharks. So you're specifically in the water in kind of a less controlled area. So, I mean, they're pretty opposite besides being basic creature features. So... That brings us on to our next film, which I have a question to pose for both of you before Jess gives us her breakdown of Anaconda. If 
The snake spits John Void out. Does that mean that the anaconda didn't want none? <laughs> didn't want none of him. Yeah. Don't want none unless you got buns, son. That was a missed opportunity. They should have cast uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot instead of Ice Cube. And then he could have <laughs> done that line. <laughs> that would have been funny. So, uh, Jess, what are your thoughts on Anaconda? Oh, man. I saw this video or this movie um, pretty early, very close to when it came out. I feel like I saw it in theaters, but not opening weekend. But I I love snakes so much, I had to go see it. Um, I've... Sorry if you could hear that siren. I live about a block away from a fire station. Um, but I love snakes. I have loved snakes my entire life. Um, I've always been a snake person. And so I was all about this movie. Um, and, you know, with Jennifer Lopez in it, like... It, it was awesome. Um, you know, throughout the entire thing, you know, it had the British guy and, you know, uh, Owen Wilson. He's so dreamy. Uh, <laughs> Such a random kid, like kind of before he was, you know, yep. established. I, yeah, this is, they just kept sticking him in movies like this. And you're like, what are you doing here, man? Uh, like Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the haunting. The funny thing is, I don't think he's even in the main opening credits. Like we were watching it and I was like, Oh yeah, he's in this. (laughs) So, okay. uh, uh, Anaconda. I did not see this movie in theaters. I, we rented it pretty much when it came like right out on VHS. It was uh, it was October of ninety seven when it came out. Mm-hmm. I rented it and uh, like instantly just loved it. And I remember for some reason October ninety seven had a lot of big like movie releases. It did, Chris. You remember those like those like um, blockbuster? Maybe didn't carry those like not not the the magazines that like only the employees would read, but the ones they would give out to customers. Yep, Video Vision had like the best kind of magazines. Where they were, Mike, Mike, are you okay? I hear like yeah, rustling. Sorry. Oh okay. my god! Yep. Yeah, my my mic just keeled over. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, but anyways, yeah. So it um uh, they were like thicker, kind of more like like professional yep. magazines. I felt like yeah, and the October one, it was like orange, and orange is my favorite color. It was like orange and probably black. Hey, dude, orange is my and favorite they, color too. I'm not even fucking around. For sure. For sure, yeah. like one hundred percent always has been. Cool. It's a great color. You're also I also told you you're uh you're born the day before my sister or the day yeah. after. February twenty sixth, right? Yep. Yep. Day after my sister, eighty four. Um and uh yeah, anyways, so I remember that it was like Austin Powers came out that month. Uh Batman and Robin, which I, I will I kind of will defend that movie. As we've talked about. Oh, I'll defend um, Batman and Robin till the end of time. It's not yeah. good, but I'll love it and I'll watch it anytime it's on and I own it. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Speaking of, so when we talked about Joel Schumacher after he yes. died, uh, oh, Chris, I don't mean to, I don't mean to go off subject, but I saw when I was in Duluth a few days ago, I'd never seen this movie eight millimeter. Oh my God. What did you that think of it? Good, that eight is millim- a good movie. Eight millimeter fucks with some people. Really? I, I, I loved underrated. eight millimeter. 
it's no, no, I, really underrated. No, I, I think I think for some people, eight millimeter works too well. I think it's a little too visceral for a lot of people because oh, I I think that yeah. was some people's first exposure to the existence of the concept of snuff films, right. and I think people just couldn't handle it. Like, I love the the Joel Schumacher has like three settings. Joel Schumacher does like fun, lighthearted romps. Joel Schumacher does completely over the top and flamboyant, ridiculous things like Batman and Robin. And then he also does the hardest hitting fucking horrific drama, nasty right. things. He He's just so all over the place and it's awesome. Did you ever watch True Blood? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I tell people, I, I told my roommate, I'm like, you will not look at Andy Belfler the same way again. No, that was some <laughs> fucked up shit. You will not. I'm like, oh my God, you like, what the hell? And then like Norman Reedus was in it for like five seconds. I didn't recognize him. Oh, Norman like, Reedus. Oh, you're in that. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Walking dead ending. Did you hear? I did. Thank God. I'm finally. genuinely shocked. And we can, you know, the Carol and Daryl spinoff, which like, yes, please. Yeah, they needed as 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 great as all of that is. They needed to end that a while ago. It's, my it's, opinion, yeah, it's, time. it's time. You know, better things. Um, anyway, so yeah, Anaconda. Back to Anaconda. I love. Um, uh, I just instantly loved it, and so I got it on VHS that year for Christmas. Do you remember the VHS cover to this movie? I do. I own it. Yeah, where it had like the the scale, and I love. Okay, side note on that movie it had the best trailers before the movie yeah so it was like mask of zorro which i is, know what you i know what uh, you did last summer oh i know what you did last summer i love that movie <laughs> no. yeah it's 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 definitely it, it it's not a good adaptation of the book if you know no 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 no, no. You can see why, you know, the like Lois Duncan, I think, sued or tried to or something like that. Yeah. So it was like those movies, um, Starship Troopers, The Fifth Element was like just great, great trailers. And, you know, um, sometimes I love the trailers more than the movie. Like when you see a movie in theaters, it's just fun. Yep. It's like, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. and that was the only place you could see them before. And now it's like you see them right when they premiere online. Yeah. Like, do you remember? When one reason why the Waterboy made so much money was because the trailer for Phantom Menace. I remember. And, I, I, yeah, and people like walked out after that. Here's here's a funny thing. I had mm. zero interest in seeing Gangs of New York, even though the movie is beautifully made. I had no interest in seeing it because it just didn't look good. And I, and I didn't end up liking the movie. But I sat through the whole yeah. thing. I went and saw it to see the trailer for Kill Bill. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will say i will say gangs of new york um cameron diaz really brought that movie down she that is that is true yeah i i, I actually it's a similar comparison is heather graham and from hell this is true um yeah i i actually feel and this is no slight against dicaprio for where he's become i think scorsese saw something in him long before we all did and I think the the pushing him so hard in that movie as a he he had him as heroes and playing like adults in movies long before I think he had hit mm. his stride. Um, and it's a bummer because Scorsese really saw something in the guy and pushed him on as hard. And I don't think it really fleshed itself out until um, uh, Shutter Island is where I finally went, oh, shit. 
Like mm-hmm. I get, I get it. Like I had gotten that he was a good actor from all the way back in Titanic. Cause I think he's actually very good in that, even though he seems, some people think he's miscast. I, I think he was awesome, but it was yeah. the Scorsese, you know, Scorsese did him in the, uh, in the, in the, um, the movie about, uh, Howard Hughes there, the aviator. And it's like, he was so good in it, but he didn't look right. And so it took me out of the damn movie. I'm like, he looks too fucking young to be playing this guy. Well, he was Even chasing though... he was chasing the Oscar for so long. Yeah, and yeah. it's a bummer. And so you know that really affected Gangs of New York for me. Even though I I think the movie is brilliantly made. You know, yeah. um, it's just. But I was like so happy that I saw the Kill Bill trailer that I could didn't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I I saw. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, saw, I yeah I did see Gangs of New York in theaters, and I yeah I guess I remember the Kill Bill trailer being on it um but yeah so so yeah anaconda has been basically a um uh yeah it's another kind of institution in my family um was was the first time i was introduced to jennifer lopez and john voight yes both of them and, you know, I, I think I saw Jennifer Lopez and Jack, actually, which that's another movie I will defend to the death. Cool. I think that movie, it's so, um, it, it's an example of, like, an okay script that perhaps got too much, like, star power attached to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that movie had everybody in it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it and it, it's it's not it's not a bad movie at all. It's just like mediocre for someone like Francis Ford Coppola and Robin Williams. Well, to I be mean, attached to it, Francis perhaps. Ford Coppola, Robin Williams, isn't Bill Cosby in that? Yeah, like yeah, like <laughs> things just like yeah. Huge. And I think Coppola said that he only did that movie because he wanted to work with Robin Williams. Yeah, and that's so. Robin Williams had a very strange. We we can do a show all about Robin Williams if you want sometime. But he had a weird thing going on where he was taking on roles that weren't funny, and they were in funny yep. films. But he took on a very emotional center role. Like even in Hook, he's not funny in Hook. He plays an he plays a dickheaded human, like adult version of Peter Pan while everyone else in the movie around him is funny. And I love that about the movie, but even, even in um, Jumanji, you you know, we think of Robin Williams as this big, funny guy and Jumanji. He plays the straight man in that movie. It's Mm -hmm. so weird and he's great at it, but I think people forget that they were hiring Williams to do, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire every time. And he was right. already at Bill Murray at yeah. the end of his career level, mm-hmm. you know, where he was at. Like, he, he was like, no, I want an Oscar. Like, I'm going to freaking act the shit out of this damn thing. Yeah. And and Jack, I think, suffered from that, not in the quality of the film, but in the um, audience's uh, view of it, I think, is is one right. of the happening. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's... Uh, it's maybe maybe not a great movie, but it's definitely better than oh, it's it people, better for. than people give it credit for, yes. for sure. Yes, um, yeah. So, so yeah, you know, uh, Jennifer Lopez, you know, introduced me to her. I'd never seen Selena until when I came back from the Netherlands on my plane, uh, along with um, uh, Shazam. When I told you I watched that, that's the other one. Yeah. Yep. Selena, um, that we that's that was Steffi for Diva Daily's her first episode. Oh, cool! And it was like such serendipitous timing. I'm like, okay, this is great. 
I'll watch this. And um, yeah, so that and then John. Okay, so John Voight, and you know, I I don't like him anymore for what he's become. Oh, he's Let's a piece of shit. That. But yeah, he's wonderful he in this. Yes, and I did not realize he was like an acclaimed actor. I'm like, oh, he's not like a character actor. Yeah, interesting. You know, because he's like. He chews the fucking scenery in this movie. He so has so much. much fun. He's oh, actually, yeah. he's my favorite part of this movie. I also like that, like for a short period of time, because Ice Cube quickly went from doing, because he was doing like the Friday films and yeah. he quickly went from those to this and then to like Eddie Murphy's middle career where he's like, I'm just going to do freaking movies for family films. And right. I loved, I loved seeing ice cube as like the trying to be the straight man in the middle of all of this. Cause he, he's actually quite good at it. I mean, right around this same time he was in three Kings and you're like, Holy shit. Ice cube can act the shit out of a movie. Like he right. was great in that. And then you're mm-hmm. like, no, no, he is just having so he's the reactionary character in this, yeah. but he's having so much fun doing it. And, yeah, and, he, and, and he gets to be kind of a badass, which was also yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> just snakes are dead as big. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Cut, cut that big. out if that's offensive. Cut that out. Cut that. No, no, no. That's yeah. straight out what he did. Snakes out dead is big. It's big. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's perfect, man. You yeah. Can't... The the one thing I didn't like about Anaconda was that they didn't offer an explanation for like why they got so big, or you know the um, you know like the, like it was like a mutation or anything like that. Well, what's True. funny is I think since the film Anaconda, they've found Anacondas as big as the one in the film. Right, but they don't eat whole people. They made small children, not right. Full. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah the the yeah. snake. And they, eating... they don't like move, they don't move that fast. I know right. they don't. I will say I don't know if you knew this the the snake for the majority of the film. Um, they had a really, really good animatronic. Now, when it's when it's interacting with people, it's CG because the animatron <laughs> just can't move fast enough. But the one that actually crawls and slithers across the ground, the HBO used to have this like making of show on That's that nice. my parents would record for me. And this and Armageddon and um, you know Saving Private Ryan, they all had like really good episodes on those. And it was cool the way it worked was they actually they had a remote control that was just a. a a toggle with a with like a, a handle that you moved in a circle like churning butter and if yeah. you moved it in one way it made the snake slither forward and if you moved it the other way it made the mm. snake slither back and they could use it to like actually chase people around the set and it looked really authentic and again i love we talk about with lake placid the mix of cg and practical they did a really good job in this movie because this isn't a very expensive movie no, yeah, but no. it's. I will say for its faults, it is a beautifully shot movie. It really is. There is, is one gorgeous. There is one thing that will go down in history, and I caught it in I here know when I saw. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. But does Mike know it? I uh, I don't. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it. Okay. So yeah, so obviously, you know, films have to do things to cut corners. They go yeah. over budget. They need filler shots. All movies do stuff like this. This one in the theater, I called out in ex- exasperated laughter to my brother. The waterfall's moving. Oh back. my god, that fucking water! Uh, yeah, 
Yes, I knew it. Yes, I. So I there's knew what you're there's say. a beautiful set because most of the movie is actually shot on the actual Amazon. There's mm-hmm. or or similar areas. There's a beautiful set with this waterfall, and the scene where they enter on their barge that they're riding down the river on to this waterfall set piece. It's a beautiful shot, and they reuse it for them leaving and just ran it in reverse. And I'm like, really, guys? <laughs> on, how, on the How Did This Get Made episode, they ripped on that. They were like, well, they're they're in the Southern Hemisphere, so doesn't it go when water goes in reverse? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Um, and, you know, at the same time, yeah, I noticed that. Okay, I noticed that when I was, you know, 10 years old, seeing that, you know, this, this kid on the spectrum who a lot of times doesn't notice details, I noticed that back then. I did. So I, I'm, I assume it's really noticeable. And when people didn't pick up on it, I'm like, how the hell did you not notice that? You know, It was one of the um, first things when, when YouTube came out. It was one of the oh first God, searches it's... I ever did that said it's... backwards waterfall in Anaconda. And it was one of the first things that was like, yeah. everyone's like, look, it's the backwards waterfall in Anaconda. <laughs> it's pretty awful. And then meanwhile, another detail, I didn't notice this until a couple years ago, as many times as I've seen this movie. At the very beginning, before the snake attacks uh, Danny Trejo's boat, when you ah, first see it from the Trejo. Anaconda's per- per- perspective, and I didn't recognize that was him till years later. I didn't recognize that was him. The um, uh, the where where like the, you see the Anaconda has like regurgitated yep. his partner, and it's just kind of there blending the trees. I never noticed that until I maybe such... maybe just because maybe because I'm so used to watching the VHS, so the resolution isn't as good. But I never noticed that. It's such a cool aside. A, a cool yeah. difference. A cool difference between this film and Lake Placid is this film takes itself very seriously. The, the, this film has funny characters. I love that when John Voight is regurgitated later in the film, which is a cool Wink. payoff. Yeah. He winks. I love I that. I <laughs> yeah. love that shit. Um, but uh, I, it, it's a very different thing between Lake Placid and this because Lake Placid kind of lets the audience know that it's okay to be scared by it and laugh at it. And Anaconda kind of wants you to believe that this shit is scary. And Anaconda earns a lot of it. Like this scared the shit out of me at 13 years old. Like I, I, it's, it's, it's Iggy. It's like, no, this isn't good. Like, I don't like any of this. But, and the, um, uh, when you mentioned, you know, scary, I think, uh, Cerrone, was yeah. John Wayne's character, Cerrone. And by the way, on how did this get made also, they spend like half the episode trying to like figure out his accent, you know, which as a, as yep. a kid, I'm like, what the hell kind of accent is that? And ex- explicitly said he's from Paraguay. They say that explicitly. Oh. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, yeah, I was, I'm like, what, what kind of accent is that? I'm, I'm, I asked my mom, she's like, I don't know, like Dutch. She had no I, idea. Another, um, another funny thing, because a movie... Did any of you remember without looking that Owen Wilson was in this? Yes. Yeah. See, I had completely forgotten until I looked at until I watched it and then looked at it right now. And it's funny, Owen Wilson for like a five-year period was in every single horror movie. He was mm-hmm. in this, he was in the haunting. There were like the three haunting. or four. Yeah. It's like, why was everyone trying to put Owen Wilson in horror movies? <laughs> like it's yeah, just, yeah. And it was in Armageddon too. Armageddon. Yeah. He was actually um, a lot of fun in Armageddon. I, yeah. I give him credit for that. Uh, but yeah, you know, and, and so, you know, when you talk about it being scary, you know, Cerrone was almost just as big of a villain as the snake, don't you think? Yeah, I, I like you know, that the one, approach of the snake 
in this one, it, 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 I like is they kind of do what they did in Jurassic Park. It's like the snake is kind of just doing what a snake does. Yeah, you know, right. it's it's really this guy you ran into that has some sort of weird like grudge to freaking take out that's getting you into all this trouble. Yes, yeah. and I love one of my favorite lines in the movie is so like after um the the guide uh, Mateo was his name after he like gets eaten when they find the abandoned ship yep right. the boat and they don't and he doesn't come back and Saron's like don't worry i didn't need the captain and then <laughs> later that <laughs> night like <laughs> and then later that night um when owen will when owen wilson and his girlfriend are there and she's like i'm not so sure he did meet the captain yeah i yeah. love that line i love that I, line. i also love that this movie does a really good again it's I'm going to mention it in in reaction to other films that it is nowhere near as good as, but it does some cool Jaws stuff in that mm-hmm. it gives you other things to be afraid of than just the snake. Like that talk about the things that swim up your urethra and get stuck in your dick. Oh, and, and by is, the way, by the way, that's never been that's kind of been that's never been confirmed to have actually right, happened. To people. Right, of yeah. course, but it's still. Just I would adds, not. I would not pee in the Amazon. I wouldn't take that risk. It adds that, that's and cool. also the trake scene at thirteen. Oh, I had never. Oh I had my god! Never oh my heard, god! Yes, I had never heard of a tracheotomy before. I'm really shocked that that made it into a PG thirteen. It, I'm it's, uh, and again, the movie, there's some shit with the snakes that's pretty goddamn scary, but that trach is terrifying. That like, is, yeah. yes. It's it's just such a cool addition. And again, is this movie a great movie? No friggin' way. Is this movie an inventive movie? Absolutely. Like they yeah. weren't they were trying their butts off to make something entertaining and different. It it doesn't you know, there, there's obviously quality in the production of this thing, mm-hmm. despite the backwards waterfall, which right. I, I still can't <laughs> believe that's stuck in there. I yeah, have made no, I, that, like, I will say, I will say, okay, you know, I love this film. Um, Roger Ebert, he gave Anaconda three and a half stars yes, and Lake Placid one and a half. And I oh, almost think wow. those should be reversed. I I think I I think Anaconda should be like two and a half stars in my for the the waterfall scene alone was like one star off. I think I think I think all three of these movies are two and a half to three star movies. If you gauge if you gauge Roger Ebert's normal scale, I don't know where what was happening to him with Lake Placid. But I this was during a time in my life where I actually would check Roger Ebert's star review before I went (laughs) to see movies. I wouldn't read his review because I don't like being swayed, but I'd like to go into a movie thinking, okay, because he he had a way of accepting the fact sometimes that a movie is okay to just be fun. And he didn't sometimes do not, which for Lake Placid, he did not. And yeah. Anaconda, it's like, I don't get, like, I don't think they're very different movies. And yet like how, one, yeah. how did this guy give Spawn three and a half stars and Lake Placid one and a half? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but, but I, but I agree. Like he gave the original mummy three stars and I agree that that's worthy of a three star movie. That movie's a blast. Do you and know yeah, what he gave the, the, the third mummy three and called it the best one in the series. I'm like, uh, no, and it's, and it's a no. piece of friggin' trash. It's so boring. I mean, if nothing else, Rachel Vice not being there, like Maria Bello, love you, but you're no Rachel Vice in that role. Sorry. So I wanted to hear, you know, obviously that this is not the intention of this isn't to sway or be a disagreement show, but um, I'd like to hear why, uh, why our guest doesn't like this film. 
Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, I was swayed by, um, I don't know, by, you know, the back then when it came out, I remember so many people, friends, family, neighbors, all said it was awful and it was, and it, they didn't care for it. And so I think I was, I let myself be swayed. And so I've always had a negative opinion <laughs> because I let other people's uh, opinion of it, uh, you know, in impact me to be honest i love anacondas you know i lived in south america for my college years and oh uh, really yeah so it was um uh you know i was kind of looking forward to the movie and uh you know i am yeah a little disappointed with the um you know with the uh, what do you want to say you know anyway the it wasn't a very good uh depiction of a, of a snake like 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 no uh, he was saying earlier, you know, that snakes don't, the bigger they are, the slower they are. And so that was a little iffy, that part. But, um, well, but and yeah, they, and they like, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Well, and, and in movies, they do this all the time with how quickly, you know, and, and again, how do they, I don't mean to plug how did this get made all the time, but right. they mention like how in movies, like how much these animals are able to eat. Like a shark, like the, the biggest, the biggest offender for me was that movie, The Shallows with Blake yeah. Lively. This and, one and shark I, and is I love, killing and like I love six that people, movie, six it, people in a week. Is the shark like bulimic? Like what's, no, no offense to anybody with eating disorders. I mean, it's like really, and like Anaconda, it regurgitates immediately and is like hungry right away. No, would yeah. not happen. No, would it not is happen. 100 And um, that's. That's the biggest, you know, the shallows falls into the same ballpark as a movie like this, where they, they wanted to make something entertaining before they wanted it to be plausible. Right. But I, but like bringing up the trach scene in this and other things they added that were inventive. I love how inventive the shallows was in creating a scenario that you wouldn't think you'd be getting yourself into. Like, you know, everybody that thinks they get to the beach and there's a shark, it's like, well, if I can just get to the shore. I'm okay, but she's right. on a place where she's safe, but the ocean is slowly trying to feed her to the thing. And I yeah, loved right. that about it. That is such yeah. an impending doom scenario, and I, I love it. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, by the, by the way, since you guys, go ahead, sorry. No, were you going to say something, Mike? I was going to bring up the, you know, you guys are talking about the trach scene, you know, the tracheotomy scene in, in this movie. Well, I, it always reminds me of the one from Heat. Did you guys see the movie's Heat? Oh, shit. I have not that seen one that was movie. so gross, but, oh, you got to see that movie. It was an absolute right. I love it. But that scene was so gross in that movie. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, you, you, need, you need to see Heat because um, um, you'll understand why even though the dark knight is an absolutely phenomenal movie why so many people that like had watched heat recently went didn't did they just remake heat because <laughs> it because it's literally the same movie oh <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how joker rips off a lot of movies huh chris yes, well, no no that's, a, that's another podcast another podcast no, yeah no i mean that. another that's, one it, yeah it's a hundred percent yeah we're gonna do that we're gonna do that for yeah sure. yeah um but yeah, and I guess I I slightly prefer Lake Placid because um, Lake Placid knew it was trying to be tongue in cheek, whereas Anaconda did not. And Anaconda still like when I showed that movie to friends when we were older, they were just laughing at half of it. They're like, oh, like, okay. yeah. Like, and then that to me is the big like if a movie no like like Snakes on a Plane, another great B movie. That movie knows what it is right from the get-go it knows it and rolls with it that is why it is so good 
a funny thing about Snakes on a Plane, which is probably the last of the movies like this. That I was going to say it was, it was the tail end of that pretty that, that, that made it to theaters. My brother, um, who, again, you know, w- it, it, I don't believe he gave Snakes on a Plane a good review, but he loved watching it. And he he him and me and my my wife all saw the midnight. Like, it's like if you're going to see Snakes on a Plane, you're seeing oh, the midnight screening with the rest yeah. of the world. And it was so much fun to see that with an audience that already was like, just like, we don't care how bad this is. We're 100% on board. And I got to give Samuel L. Jackson credit. And I wish more movies happened this way. Speaking <laughs> of a good segue into Deep Blue Sea when we get there. Yeah. He actually told them he would quit when they when, when the movie got a large amount of um, publicity. They said, well, we're going to try to make it a PG-13 and yep. we're going to change the title of it because we we think, um, you know, we'd be taken more seriously. And he goes, I signed up for Snakes on a Plane. You're making fucking Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> he, he, signed, he signed on just by rehearing that title. Yeah. He signed on just by that, yeah. He's like, he's like, we're not making art here. I know this is going to be terrible. I signed on to be in a movie called Snakes on a Plane, and that's what we're you doing. See, and, and, it's, and I'd say it's not, it's not terrible. No, it's not. It's just having... It's not, it, because it knows, it knows what it's trying to be. You want to show up and you want to see yeah. the snakes on a plane. That's what you showed up for. Yeah. <laughs> one movie, one of my favorite bad movies of all time, Showgirls, which, oh my God, I love it. Oh, that. Showgirls, it, yes. I mean, it, it, it's, you can tell that movie is not trying to be a comet. It, it's not trying to be funny. And now, you know, you get these people who are like, oh, it, it's satire. Look at, you know, Starship Troopers. Yeah, Starship Troopers is not fucking Showgirls. But, right. um, yeah, and yeah, but it, it, it's not like that movie is not trying to be funny. You can tell. I mean, yeah, no, even, no, Ver, Verhoeven, I mean, Verhoeven thought he was making a piece of art. And he right. Was, and, uh, and like, I mean, basic instinct can be kind of cheesy today in parts, but that movie legit is serious and like menacing. Showgirls yeah, never feels that way. No, yeah. show, show, Showgirls is the. It's it's just a big corny, unintentionally corny mess, and it's wonderful for it. <laughs> and then in the final act, there's like a brutal gang rape scene out of nowhere that just changes it. Yeah, yeah, you kind of need to like you you need to inform people of that because <laughs> yes. because you know people go yeah no you showgirls is just a movie that awkwardly moves through sexual sequences for two hours and it's kind of funny and oh, you get and to that and they are and you get to that and you go sequences. you get to that and you go oh and why is this here yeah <laughs> like, this is kind of like this is this isn't fun anymore oh <laughs> yeah Oh yeah, it's it's people. It's funny that they cast so many pretty people that look like they've never actually had sex before in in, in that movie. Like, <laughs> and she and she was a former like a prostitute. It's like, what the hell is yeah. going on here? This is so awkward. <laughs> yeah, we could do but, a whole episode about yeah, that. But but, and I, somehow, but I somehow, how did this get made? Has not done an episode on Showgirls. They're I probably idea. they're probably terrified of doing it. Yeah. Showgirls, and you know other movie they have never done an episode of North. Well, yeah. which th- that that movie is like art in terms of how bad it is. Oh, Roger, Roger Ebert. I hate, 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 h
did not deserve that at all. No, Wolf Creek is a very well made. It's, it's a very well made, made, very hard to watch film. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he did the same thing for Kickass. He gave Kickass one star because he said, "As well made and as funny as it is, it's too mean spirited for me." And it's like, all right, yeah. I, I guess I can see that, dude. But so, so, so I digress. So, so Lake Placid, have you, have you, um, Mike, have you? Sorry, Anaconda, have you seen it? Um, re- you watched? Did you watch it recently? You know, I didn't. Um, you know, I have literally the everything package. I have everything that Comcast offers. I have, I have Hulu. I have Amazon. It's not free on any of them. No, um, it is not. Free, the only one that's free out of all three of these movies was Fortune Lake Placid. So I was able to to see that without you know. And I no. own all the other ones, but you know, I'm old school, so I own them in VHS. <laughs> no, me too. I, I was just asking more of you. Said you know, obviously, and I and I don't mean like obviously you're informed by the people around you and the reaction people have. If, if we, if we pretend that yeah. everybody needs to like movies the same way, there's no point in even having a discussion, but right. I, I don't like outside of us having this podcast, you know, you, you don't have to go, Oh yeah. I like Anaconda, you know, you don't have to do, but you said that, you know, had you seen it since then and kind of warmed up to it a bit, or is it just a movie that you never really got past that stigma of people said it wasn't good. So you just, Oh, I mean, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it multiple times as that, um, you know, it, it, it's not that it, it was a terrible move or anything. I, you know, I, again, I don't, I'm, I'm, I've lost any, uh, liking I ever had for John Voight, you know, with his political leaning. Oh, he's a so, shitbag. So that actually, to be honest, is probably one of the biggest things that turns me off from seeing anything he's in right there. But, um, and then, you know, Owen, Will, Will, uh, Owen Wilson, like you said earlier, you know, I really don't like to see him in this type of movie. He's so much better, you know, in a comedy. And he is, um, he, he was kind of given nothing in this movie, I feel like. Yeah, that's exactly. why I said I had forgotten he was in it because he's, he's a wet blanket in it. And usually exactly. Owen Wilson is the thing you remember from the movie Owen Wilson's in, you know? Like it's, right. Yeah. And then Eric Stoltz. Now Eric Stoltz was a massive star in the '80s, and then in this movie, he had also a very little role. And, yeah, uh, so that was another. My mom always commented on that how like little he had to do. He must have like been working on another project or something, and had like phone in. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Eric Stoltz. Just yeah. being Eric Stoltz. I'll be over here. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, but All no, right. I definitely warmed up to it. I like it better than I used to, and. And again, I've, I've, I'm a huge uh, snake person anyway, so I like any movie with snakes in it. <laughs> My that person actor uh, is going to be Carrie Wurr, horror queen herself. Hell like, yeah. she is amazing. And she's actually been on an episode. Well, she she was the star of one of the episodes that we talked about previous, and that was Eight-Legged Freaks. Like, mm-hmm. she starred in that. She kicked some ass. But this girl, this woman, mind you, has been all over the horror scene. I mean, she's got so many credits to her name. It's insane. And being a supporting character in this to just, I think it was five years later that she was in a starring role in Eight-Legged Freaks. That is awesome. Like, way to go, girl. But if you go on IMDb, she's just got so many yeah. horror movies under her belt that she is a queen. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Um, but I, my honorable mention, I got to talk about 
And uh, he was actually listed in the opening credits is Baby Danny Trejo. (laughs) (laughs) To me, I I didn't recognize him until like years later. I'm like, I yeah, I I didn't even recognize him. Like at first, if you don't know him, you haven't watched enough like Western killing movies. Yeah. Um, But most recently, I actually love The Masked Singer. And he was actually on this season and was unmasked a couple wow. weeks ago. Yes. And sorry, spoilers, if you haven't watched it yet. But he had literally the biggest smile on his face. Like, he had so much fun doing it. It was great. And uh, nobody guessed it was him. It was it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, baby Danny Trejo was an interesting person to see right in the beginning and then he doesn't come back Mm -hmm. you know very much um like in the other one they have uh mariska hargitay who has all of like five minutes of screen time and then you know don't see him again for the entire movie (laughs) but you know they have a reason and you see it later but um yeah i just you know this this movie was definitely right up my alley um, the only things that were really distracting for me, uh, were John Voight's accent. That, <laughs> that was a little weird. But then Carrie Wurr's hair. Like, it kept changing. <laughs> like, it was blonde and red. And then it was kind of brown. And then there was a little bit of blonde. And then there was a big chunk of blonde. And then it was all red. And then, and then, and then. I mean, Amazon messes with you. <laughs> I guess. I I don't know what the deal with it was. But it just, it was really confusing. Literally, every time she was on screen, it was something different. And, and I'm, are, like, oh. I'm like, I, I like it, but, like... How far apart did you shoot these? And we all know, that, and even that is not the biggest, most notable goof in this movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> boy, boy, is that goof noticeable. Even my 10-year-old Spectrum borderline ADHD self noticed this goof the first time I saw it. Oh, like, yeah. And what was it? The uh, reverse waterfall. Ah. Yeah. They reverse with waterfall. The when they left, I guess they because the tree knocked them loose and they yeah. just reversed the tape of them going back. It's just like, really? Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, my partner saw this for the first time when I watched it the other night. And I had to point oh it God. out to him. And he's like, why? Why would they put that in the movie when it's so yeah. obvious? Right. Yeah, and terrible. I'm like, they probably just felt they needed to show the boat getting out, but they didn't feel like using the extra time and money to hire all the actors back and shoot the boat going in reverse. I don't know, but either way, it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it it was pretty wild. It It's a great movie. I love it. I have loved it since I've first seen it. Um, I just... Especially, especially that uh, catch from the tree, the uh, yeah. anaconda. Yep. When he uh, catches, it's not the English guy, is it? Yeah, it is uh, Westridge. Yeah. And um, great, uh, it's a great segue. Uh, he is my uh, that guy of yes. this movie, Jonathan Hyde. 
uh, who plays the the I guess the the, the uh, narrator that they're using for the documentary, uh, Warren Westridge. Um, he has been in a ton of stuff, uh, probably most notably, uh, I mean, a lot of British stu- stuff that, you know, maybe we don't see as much of here, but to American audiences, most notably uh, from Titanic, he was uh, J. Bruce Ismay, the head of the White Star Line. Uh, and 90s kids will also remember him from Jumanji and Richie Rich. Yep. In, ad- in addition to tons of other things. Was he in The Mummy? Yes, he was. Okay. He was. Yes. Yeah, he was in The Mummy. Yay! He, play, he played a pretty, kind of a similar part to Anaconda. Yeah. yeah in a way. Yep. I always loved um, the, uh, in Jumanji, casting the same actor for the dad in The Great White Hunter. I thought <laughs> yes. that was a really yeah. cool, I don't know if you knew this, but um, original stage productions of Peter Pan and... Uh, that awesome late '90s, early 2000s Peter Pan movie they did that wasn't Disney, um, not the weird new one with Hugh Jackman, but the one from the uh, <laughs> early 2000s. They cast, um, oh, what's his name from uh, The Patriot? Um, brilliant actor, uh, Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs as Wendy's father and Captain Hook. And oh wow. It's what they used to do originally because the idea of that, it's a lot creepier of a character because the same guy playing Wendy's dad then plays, um, you know, someone who's endangering her and wants to marry her when it's an adult. It's like a very play on like the dangers for a young woman, you know, and all this. And Isaac's nailed that role. And I've I've always loved movies that can play with that fantasy of, the same person who's supposed to be a protector is also the villain, you know? Yeah. And, and I was going to say it's a lot more symbolic too. Yeah. I love it. it. It's just really clever. Mm-hmm. Stefan, who's your MVP? So I mentioned this in the episode. Uh, I, I didn't see this in theaters, but I rented it. We rented it pretty quickly after it came out. It was uh, October of 97. There were a lot of great movies released on video at that time. Yeah. Video, not well, DVDs were out, but they weren't widely distributed. Um, but, uh, yeah. So we rented it really quickly and I, I really wanted, I got it that Christmas and that cover art is, you know, iconic VHS cover art. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I always vividly remember the trailers before the movie were great. It was like, like, I know what you did last summer. Yes. Um, Mask of Zorro, uh, Starship Troopers, Fifth Element. They were all just like, like, and so, you know, not to crap on this movie because it's a really good movie, but the uh, VHS trailers beforehand are my MVP. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. I, I got a side note here. I got to talk about the VHS cover. It's and that, that holographic. Like scales and eyes. Oh, I wish DVDs would do something like that. Like it was great. At uh, at uh, Trilon, which is like an indie theater by us, we've been to it a few times. They sometimes sell uh, VHS tapes that they have like leftover, and they had Anaconda, and I just kick myself for not buying it. I think I think my parents still have it, but I'm not putting my thumb up because they gave a bunch of them away to. Uh, goodwill against my wishes and permission. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm I'm going to do mine in reverse order because uh, my MVP for this is actually whoever paid off the MPAA to get this thing a PG-13. Because <laughs> because now, granted, there's not a ton of bad language, and a, but this movie at 14 when I saw this in the theater, right? I had seen a lot of intense shit. I had never seen anything as intense as the tracheotomy they had to do in this yes. movie. That sorry, this was the first time I learned about tracheotomy. Right. And I have never forgotten it. Mm-hmm. And this is the second movie we've done with a similar tracheotomy. And so I'm gonna go with movie magic and go with it as gospel because I can see it working. Right. Yeah. It, it, I'm really I was like grabbing my throat right now. I was going to say, seriously. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really. I mean, I, I granted they do cut away, but they still the sound, which, you know, there was um, there was a certain movie uh, that I don't remember which one it was, but the MPA gave it an R initially because of a, like a stabbing sound. Yeah, and they cut yeah. it out, and it got a PG thirteen. That's right. Um, which. Uh. And th- this movie, I'm amazed that that got through. And actually, okay, I'm glad you mentioned this, Chris, because the in the episode we talk about um, the the trach scene. Was it in the heat? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so you you mean the heat? The comedy with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I I, ha- I had seen because I said I hadn't seen that movie. I thought you were thinking of Heat. With yeah. Al Pacino. Sorry, and, and I, I had to go double back too because when you just said the heat, I started thinking of heat, and I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Y- yes. Yes, I have seen the heat, and uh, yeah, that that Drake scene, which, um, that for for a comedy, that was I'm amazed they kind of had that. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, you know, Anaconda for as tongue in cheek and silly as Anaconda is. Anaconda's horror elements are very horrific. You know, the John Hoyt being regurgitated thing, that's an R rating in and of itself. He's half digested. You know what I mean? Like this, (laughs) this movie is, you know, there isn't anything really all that graphic that happens on screen, but they describe a lot of graphic stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, with with him being regurgitated, that just makes him twice as tasty. It does. And I love that he winks. I know, yeah. It's like so even, even you know, when you're, he's dying. It's like he still is a sleaze ball. And Hell you know, yeah. we talk about scary elements in the movie. I mentioned this in the episode, but how um uh and uh, and uh you know with with uh, uh John Voight being almost you know more scary at times than the snake itself. Uh, one of my favorite lines was delivered by Carrie Wurr was after uh. After they, you know, they lose their, their the boat captain, Mateo, I think was his name. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Cerrone, John Voight is like, don't worry, I didn't eat the captain. And then later that night, when, um, when she's with her boyfriend, Owen Wilson, she's like, I'm not so sure he didn't eat the captain. <laughs> I, that's my, probably my favorite line, line. I love that line. And my, 
My, that's so good. My runner-up MVP be partially because Stefan said he won't do the damn snake, um, <laughs> but also because I really am impressed. They made a very impressive animatronic snake. They didn't yes. use it for every scene in this. You know, this had a lot of pretty good still late 90s um, CGI stuff that they did in this. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly because the rigs they had the people on to throw them around were really impressive. But yeah. they had a remote control, fully functioning anaconda puppet that they used in a lot of scenes in this. And it was really, really cool. Um, and at one yeah. scene, it actually did get out of control and the reactions from the actors are genuine. Love it. Oh, but scene? I think it was the the uh, the scene before uh, Owen Wilson got eaten. Yep, that okay. brings me to my that guy or that person in Frank Welker. Now I trust the three of yes. us all know who Frank Welker is. Oh yeah, um, those, I had those listening might not. Um, Frank Welker, um, and again, this is going to sound silly when I say my that guy is the voice of the snake. But this is very this is very important because Frank Welker has over eight hundred and sixty-three credits. Wow. IMDB. Mm -hmm. He's been working from nineteen sixty-nine to current day. If there's an animated television show or film or something that needed a voice that you've watched, you have heard Frank Welker. He's been in it mm -hmm. all. Yeah. My personal favorites were his work on the real Ghostbusters, the show Heathcliff, which was that weird Garfield ripoff that oh, I, really I enjoyed. love Heathcliff. I was all about Heathcliff. Yep. Heathcliff, Heathcliff, no, no one, one should terrorize the neighborhood. neighborhood. Oh, yep. Yeah, we all remember that. Um, oh, yeah. G.I. Joe. Captain M, the Game Master, Muppet Babies. He did several voices in Aladdin, and he was the voice of Dr. Claw in Inspector Gadget, which is the yes! majority of the voices that Frank Welker does all sound a lot like Dr. Claw. You'll notice the Cave of Wonders in Aladdin sounds just like Dr. Claw. There's a reason. Yeah. That's because it's Frank Welker. Um, he did um, some actually Sorry, I wanted to cut in and mention one of his more recent roles and yes. me being a mom and uh, my son actually used to love this show, but he was Bubble Puppy on Bubble Guppies. Yes, he was. And that was actually on my <laughs> on my short list here because my daughter really liked the Bubble Guppies. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, he's done all the recent Scooby-Doo's. Mickey Mouse's Mixed Up Adventures, which is just the more recent iteration of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and all the weird side shows. He was in both the original and new, new, uh, newly released Animaniacs show. Yep. Um, it just goes and goes and goes. The Ninja Turtles, Star Wars TV shows, um, the TV series for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, mm -hmm. It just continues forever. And you also did stuff in the the terrible Michael Bay Transformers movies, but that's okay. Cause he was also <laughs> in the original Transformers show. So it kind of balances off. Um, yeah. Yeah. This really... career has spanned over six decades. It's mm -hmm. wild. And he genuinely always just looks like he's having a good time. Like whenever oh, yeah. you see him in yeah. interviews. So that's my, that guy for, for Anaconda, the, you know, the voice of the snake, which I think was only used <laughs> for a couple bits, right? I think the snake screams when they burn it at the end. Yep. Yeah. Um, and similar to, to, to Lake Placid, isn't there a second Anaconda by the time we get to the end? 
or am I or am I imagining that? Yeah, yeah. About halfway through, um, Jennifer Lopez like shoots one of them in the head several times and like blows its brain up, and then you know, lo and behold, there's a second anaconda. Mm-hmm. But they 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 seem to switch so seamlessly that it's hard if you don't catch Jennifer Lopez shooting it and its brains busting out of the top of its head um it's it's almost easy to just think of one right or if you see a tv edit that leaves that scene out yeah (laughs) (laughs) and speaking of that jennifer lopez is kind of a badass in this you know there's hell uh, yeah there's you know she kind of gets the the eye roll treatment later on and you know especially with the benefer stuff with ben affleck and all that and everything but you know at the time, like this was a this this cast was a big deal. Like I remember this being like a oh, Jennifer yeah. Lopez is going to be in this action horror movie with Ice Cube and Owen Wilson is kind of there to be the token white guy <laughs> instead of the other way around. And <laughs> this movie's a lot of fun. Uh, Stefan, how this one? How this one fare? Yeah. Um, so thirty-seven percent critical. Yeah. And only twenty four percent audience, which These I mean, movies that are pre yeah. Rotten Tomatoes existence confound me. I mean, it probably lost twenty points, you know, with the reverse waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be it. That brings us to deep deep blues. My head is like a shock spin. That's right. LL Cool J will show you what's up. I it took me till seeing this movie. To look up and re- and find out when I you know when I saw it the first time that his name stands for Ladies Love Cool James, yeah, <laughs> and I just didn't know that. I just thought it was like a cool like, LL Cool J, whatever. And I'm like, no, you literally your name is is making a <laughs> statement, and yep. I and I love that. Yep, I I oh my god, I love LL Cool J. Like everything he does is awesome. Like I just uh he. I definitely love Cool James. I can say that. Nice. So what mm-hmm. what did you think about Deep Blue Sea if if you love Cool James so much? <laughs> um I also super love shark movies. Um as I said I like I love creature features and shark movies and so as I said, you know, I love all three of these movies and it is ridiculous to even try and pick one. Um, but especially shark movies. For some reason, I just I love shark movies. You know, Jaws, The Meg, the Sharknado movies. Just all of them. They're amazing. Um, but I just, this movie is, you know, kind of like, oh, the standalone possible epitome shark movie. Like, these these sharks like are special they're you know mean they're not supposed to swim backwards Mm -hmm. they're you know they throw a guy on a stretcher into a fucking thick window like oh my god i love that part oh my god you see that window crack and that huge chunk of glass that came out it's like they hit a fucking iceberg like it just it's insane that they would have that much power behind them 
that a guy on a stretcher is going to cause that much damage to that thick of glass. Like, that is freaking wild. But this movie is just fantastic and amazing, and I love it. Um, The cast was wonderful. Um, I just, I love everything about it. I, I just, I cannot gush more about it. Yeah, I would say it's definitely, I would say other than Jaws, it's probably the best shark movie ever. Yeah, it's way up there. It, mm-hmm. it, and it's, you know, the thing, the thing that I love about this movie is, again, it, they found a way, because every director, especially um, Rennie Harlan, you know, who uh, is a very serviceable director, you know, we, we talk about him on this show other times too, but the guy has had a specific look and he was working really hard in the mid to late nineties. And this movie definitely was one of those looks from the mid to late nineties that I liked, you know, the movies like the matrix had that everything's kind of green and polished and shiny. This one just had this like blue. It almost looks like the movies existing in like a, like a techno nightclub. It, you know, it, it just, looks like, it looks like metallic almost, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And, and I love the look and I love the idea that, you know, okay, we're going to make a shark movie, but we're also going to make aliens. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and we're going to do that by literally, we're going to sink an underwater base and flood it. So the sharks can chase the people in, you know, waist high water. And I'm like, this movie is awesome. Like I wanted, yes. I just want this all the time. And, and, and like you said, the sharks toying with them and throwing that stretcher at the window and that little little piece of glass. The, the details in this, mm-hmm. they, all three of these movies, they were working harder than they needed to to make these movies. These would have all been made for sci-fi channel movies today. Oh, yeah. You know? And that's a shame. It, but, it, it like, is a shame. Oh, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, yeah go yeah, ahead. You're there. Oh, sorry. I, I, I said it is a shame, and then you said, hold up. Is that what you said? No, I was going to say I got to mention, but go ahead. Oh, no, go for it. Sorry. I think we just literally opened our mouths at the same time. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to mention, like, even the smallest looks, like when um, the uh, the um, – uh, basically, Stellan Skarsgård's character goes to light up a cigarette, and the Meg Ryan lookalike shoots him a look like, "What the fuck are you doing? We're in a science lab." <laughs> like even that was great. Um, the the only the only thing that really drove me nuts about this movie was Saffron Burroughs, uh, Doctor Susan McAllister. I just I couldn't get behind her. She she bugged me so much. She that was a really common uh, consensus among. Uh, viewers, which actually, um, and I mentioned this in the episode, how the original ending had her live, and at the end, she and Thomas Jane kiss. Yeah, <laughs> and look. I cannot roll my eyes any harder yeah, right now. Wow. Yeah, test yeah. audiences hated it. They hated that she lived because they they deemed you know her responsible for everything. So well, she was. Yeah. So Harlan and the others came back for like one day and refilmed the ending, and it's so much better. <laughs> it really yeah. is. It's so much better. 
That'd be a good uh, Villain Was Right episode. It would yeah, be. Yeah, it would be. Um, <laughs> right in. Now, as I said at the beginning of this, and I'll say it again, I saw Lake Placid and Deep Blue Sea in the same evening. So this was actually a triple feature. Oh, so okay. this summer, this summer, um, I had uh, I had broken my leg and um, missed out basically on my summer between freshman and sophomore year of high school, which was kind of a bummer. Um, so my mother took me to movies every week. And so we saw, you know, that was the year of the sixth sense and final destination. And, you know, there was just all and, um, pitch black. You know, we, we, we saw all these great things. And, pitch black is great. Final yeah. destination, I think, actually came out the year after because I saw okay. that in theaters. Yeah, I, 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 went, I went and theaters. saw that with my mom, too. So they all kind of blend okay. together. But um, <laughs> but we definitely saw this as a triple feature. And see, I was super jazzed about The Haunting. Because I had watched the making of, and the haunting was actually Jan Debont, who had done Twister and mm-hmm. um, you know uh, the, the Speed. Jan Debont yeah. was like the '90s like action movie king. So it's like Jan Debont is making a horror movie. This is going to be cool. And so we started the evening with the haunting, and then saw Deep Blue Sea, and then Lake Placid. And I gotta say, I like the order that we saw them in because we were all so underwhelmed by how terrible the haunting was <laughs> that um. <laughs> And, and it's a bummer because it's a beautiful movie. The set design is great. Oh, like, yeah. And, it, and they did nothing with any of it. It's just so goddamn bad. Although Owen Wilson does have a great death scene. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's just so bad. So then we get into Deep Blue Sea. Now, Deep Blue Sea um, is my favorite of these three films. And favorite does not mean I think it's the best. It is my favorite for a couple of things. Um, I love sharks. I Jaws is my favorite movie. Getting to see a full CG like shark insane fest um, was right up my alley in 1999. This is like the kind of horror movie I wanted to see. The fact that it was a hard R and like people's arms were getting bit off and people were getting chewed up and cut in half. And again, just like with Lake Placid, none of this stuff is scarring. You could show this to a 13 year old and it's just, you know, it's, it's about as violent as Jurassic park at that point. You know what I mean? It, right. The stakes are a little bit more nasty in this one. Well, um, Samuel L. Jackson also does. Oh, uh, well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> the reason this movie takes the cake on all three of them is it had the gall to mm-hmm. cast Samuel L. Jackson, who this was like at the height of his rise to badassery. Right. Mm-hmm. This was right there. I mean, the only thing that would be even more insane is if they cast him as Nick Fury and then did to him what they did in this movie. Like that, that would be the thing that would take the cake. But he has 45 minutes into the movie or 20, 30 minutes into the movie, the hero speech. Okay. Shit's gone down. I'm going to tell you, a, I'm, I'm the adult in the room. I've got the experience. I'm going to tell you this story about being trapped in a goddamn avalanche. And he's no. got this big hero speech. And then the fucking shark jumps out of the water and bites him in half. <laughs> and I lost my shit in the theater. And the fact that no one blew this for anyone was so cool. I'm like, holy shit. They killed Samuel L. Jackson. No one's <laughs> safe. And um, it, it's so cool that they did that. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, an executive decision where they just offed um, what's his head in the first 10 minutes of the movie, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. and, and it's just kind of like, wow. No, and, and I like it made the movie feel more visceral, like the character you're supposed right. to leave behind. Everyone's fucked now. They, they don't have it. Um, 
Deep Blue Sea was was directed by Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan was the king. Again, you talk Steve Miner being the king of 80s horror. Steve Miner was like at the top of his game at this moment in time. He was another director for hire. He but Rennie Harlan did one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. He did the Dream uh-huh. Warrior. Uh Dream Master, oh, sorry. I love he that did one. he did um a highly highly underrated movie yep. from 2005 mind hunters yes he you did heard of that chris i, I was yes. gonna mention that next and so i love that movie so underrated such an underrated film and he brought us the incredibly tense even though it was kind of cheesy film cliffhanger which <laughs> is a beautifully filmed movie yeah um, it, 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 it's very tense and had a lot of cool effects mm-hmm. and he did die hard too. So yeah. Rennie yeah. Harlan. And I think, I think he might've made running man, but I, I didn't look far enough back to, and to he really- did, um, he did, uh, the fa- the famous flop, uh, cutthroat Island, which I actually like as stupid as that is cutthroat yeah. Island is not good, but I like it. It felt just, it, it felt very uninspired to me. It from did. what I saw. It, yeah, it, it just, me, I mean, it reminded me a lot of the Phantom, even though I love the Phantom. It was just kind of yeah. like, they were just kind of like, yeah, we're making a movie. Let's, let's have fun. Yeah. So deep horror, looks- it's so sad that Gina Davis, just her career never recovered from that. Yeah. Just how, so, how yeah. huge she was before that. So, yeah. so deep blue sea, you know, what's it about? Let's tell people. So the other two movies are about, um, things in the wild. Like, you know, the, the Lake Placid crocodile was just big because it had no predators and Betty White was feeding it her cows. That's basically like what we get out of that movie. Anaconda, no explanation why the anacondas are so big. They just really seem to hate John Voight. And that's basically <laughs> it. But this movie, it goes into the like sci-fi realm where, no, it's a secret unspoken thing in the barge, basically, with an underwater section in the middle of the ocean. And they're... T- doing Alzheimer's research by making sharks smart. Sounds like a terrible idea, and that's what makes it a great movie. Apparently, the gist of making the sharks smart, because these weren't um, these weren't great whites. They were like bull sharks, right? They were just like really, or tiger sharks. Yeah. Uh, but they, the, the thing like that I get out of it is, okay, so how are the sharks smart? They can open doors and swim backwards. No, there's not much. You can't, you can't. You, a shark... You can't make their brain smart enough that they can learn to swim backwards. They can't do that. Like their bodies don't. But anyway, that's fine. It's yeah. still fine. But basically what they wanted to make was aliens because they end up <laughs> sinking the building so they can have sharks swim in corridors and attack LL Cool J in an oven and him having a whole bunch of Bible references and his parrot that he needed to save for some reason. Um, but uh, the, the movie is tense. It ends up being like a, you know, a, um, towering Inferno, or uh, you know, um, uh, what's that? Uh, that that Titanic ripoff with the flipped over ship, um, oh, Poseidon Adventure, Poseidon Adventure kind of thing. And it's like, all right, this is really cool. And there also happens to be sharks. Um, and, and I really liked that about it. It's it's just it's one of those movies that, again, Lake Placid, I think, takes the entertainment cake. But I think this movie, for an audience, when I was in the theater and Samuel L. Jackson dies. Which again, he dies in a pretty cartoonish looking way. The effects were not good in the way that he dies. But oh, the audience just reacted like no shit. 
And it really made the movie for me. And and the movie, again, it's it's your pretty standard people escape from a place and they get out and the movie ends. You know, yeah, kind of and and Sammy um Samuel L. Jackson was supposed to play LL Cool J's role originally. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. My head is like a shark's fin, man. <laughs> <laughs> and now you you know the story about the original ending of the movie? No about that okay so um spoilers to anyone who's not seen deep lucy so the original ending um saffron burrows her character survived okay after doing what she did test audiences absolutely hated that they hated that she lived because they thought she was responsible for everything yeah, that happened. No, they 100%. hated that and demanded that she died. So they got everyone back together and shot for like one day to redo that ending. Wow, I didn't know. That's yeah. a bold move. That would have ruined the movie. I agree. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's. So what? Uh, what are your guys, uh, Mike? What? What's your um, uh, life with Deep Blue Sea? Yeah, no, I <clears throat> that was the movie I did see in the theaters because I, I was you know, you know, a big fan of Jaws and sh- shark movies in general. So I did see that one. Um, yeah, it was <clears throat> you know I I, lo- I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think it's better than part two or part three. But I don't know if you guys agree with that. But I thought part I've never one seen was, part you know, two or three. I watched oh, okay. sizzle reels from them, and they just look like Sharknado movies. So I'll yeah. definitely watch them. But I do yeah. say the thing from number three, where the guy jumps off the ship to like basically like kill himself, and the shark jumps up out of the water and eats him in midair, was pretty friggin' funny. Yes, yes. No, but I, I, yeah, I, lo- I love, I love the movie. Um, and I see it. Yeah, anytime, anytime I see it on TV, I, I, I watch it definitely. So good movie. I liked it. <clears throat> yeah, um, I agree. I did not see it in the theaters. I first saw. I think it was around the holiday season when my family was up and like we rented it and watched it and loved it. Um, yeah, it's it's just to me, it's yeah, it's a really fun like uh, uh, you know creature feature and i think i think roger ebert gave it three stars i want to say yeah and you know yeah i i uh yeah i've always really liked it um you know great cast and yeah i don't really have much else to say it's it's interesting that the shark film has stuck with theatrical release like i'm really surprised that deep blue c2 at least didn't get a theatrical release because like all you know, we had Anaconda Lake Placid, Deep Blue Sea, but then we had Forty Eight Meters Down. We had The Shallows. The sequel to Forty Eight Meters Down is actually uh-huh. not not bad either. Again, yeah. they're in the they're in the same vein as this. They're not very realistic and they're kind of yeah. silly, but I like them. And yeah. uh, then we had The Meg, which you know, <laughs> ma- I it's interesting. I actually like The Meg, even though nothing happens in it and the thing isn't scary. Um, yeah. But, but I love Jason Statham in it. I think that's the biggest reason that movie works is because Jason Statham knows exactly what movie he's in and he yeah. just r- rides with it. But um, what I wanted to say was, what do you think would have happened if the Meg had been made by its original director choice? Do you know who was supposed to make the Meg? Oh my, I think I've, I've heard of it. Eli Roth. Well, yeah, it would have been a lot gorier. 
Yeah, so Eli Roth went on like I mean, this wasn't like a director for hire thing. He went on like a year long sabbatical and like swam with sharks. Yeah, and, yeah, like, take her out. You can take her out. Oh, sorry. That's fine. My roommates came home. No, it's like yeah. Eli Roth went on like a year sabbatical and like swam with sharks and like learned about <laughs> them and all this stuff to like make the Meg. And it's like. I want to know like what movie he thought he was going to make. Cause if it was the same script that ended up getting made by, you know, other director for hire guy that, um, you know, the guy that made the national treasure movies who again yeah. can make, can make a movie, but he, he made a, the Meg and it's just like, the movie's not bad, but what would Eli Roth's the Meg have been like? Holy shit. Oh yeah. No. Rated R definitely. And, um, <laughs> Oh yeah. I, um, I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Eli Roth. No, no, um, me, me either. Uh, you know, yeah. and I I used to really like him. I'm just curious to think about what he would have made. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that that uh, fell I mean, through, that fell through, and that's why he made the house with the clock in the walls, with Jack Black. Right. Oh wow. Which that was like against anything he did. Um, I I saw Cabin Fever uh, in theaters with me my too. uncle. Me my too. uncle, I don't know how, like he, he's up and is like, you want to go see a movie? I'm like, okay, let's go. And he, um, he wanted to see cold Creek manor. So I think oh we, kind of, we would have been screwed either way. Um, the check out if you have, if you've ever, if, if you've never seen the alternate ending to cold Creek manor, it's actually pretty good. The oh, alternate ending, it's on YouTube. Um, but anyways, and yeah, I remember he was just like about halfway through, had like his hand on his head. He's like, I'm not going to lie to you, Stefan. This is awful. <laughs> you know, you want to see something really awful. See the remake of Cabin Fever that Roth I've produced, heard. that Roth produced and was made with the same script. Who the I, hell even asked for that? No Who one did. I don't know what, why it happened, but I watched it and I went, I. I need to go back and watch the original again right now. And I went and watched the original and I go, okay, it didn't age well, but these movies were literally shot with the same script and the original is still a way better movie. I don't know how yeah. they could have shot the same script and made something so shitty. Like it doesn't make any sense. Cabin fever to me is an example of a movie, uh, a similar in the similar vein of like house of a thousand corpses where yes, if it would have been a little funnier or a little scarier, it would have probably worked, but it was too stuck in the middle. It didn't know what it was trying to be. E Eli Roth for sure has, has the Rob zombie problem. And this yeah. is not, this is not to say that I discredit them as filmmakers. Cause yeah. I think it's just, I think they're, they're much more fans of the genre than they are mm. people that are trained to direct the genre. Yeah. And, and I like Devil's Rejects and Hostel. Yeah, I like both no, of those movies. Yeah, yeah. me too. I I think Hostel too is the is the home run of of Roth's entire career. But that's and my reason for that is because he cast people you liked. So when terrible things happened to them, it was awful, and that made the horror uh, work. The worst was a uh, poor Heather Matarazzo. Oh, that's what I mean. I showed oh, that to my death. wife. I showed that to my wife because oh, I was God. like, "You want to see something terrible?" Oh. <laughs> She's like. And can I just say why why Heather Matarazzo never had a bigger career? She's fantastic. She was amazing. The, the Dollhouse movie was great at like fourteen lead role, and then she never like had another lead role after that. No, nope, like, she just got she just gets stuck in a couple Disney movies, and then they killed her. Probably because she she wasn't like attractive enough, quote unquote. Sadly, 
Uh, yeah, that's a very yeah. subjective thing because <laughs> I actually kind of prefer the those girls to the girls they cast them next to, but that's a different yeah. story for a different day. Because I'm just weird, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, so yeah, so Deep Blue Sea, you know, back to that. It, it's it's just it's a big stupid. How like I really would love to see them spend this because it made money. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. it's not like it. Uh, all three of these movies actually made money. They oh, were no, they they were very successful financially. <laughs> they yeah. they wouldn't be now. That's the that's the thing. Is it's it, the problem is with now. Yeah. So Deep Blue Sea, check this out. Only cost sixty million dollars. Yep. Deep Blue Sea. I gotta say, I it feels like it cost way more than that. Yeah, I mean, maybe. It was if it got made, if it got made now, it would more than that. It was well, 1999 yeah. where movies were cheaper. Yeah, but let me let me give you an example, right? Like, there are some Jim Carrey films made around that time that just because mm-hmm. of star power cost 50 or $60 million. Right. Yeah. You know? I, mean, I, I learned the other day True Lies was the first movie to cost $100 million. And Ooh. all of that showed up on screen. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Cameron kept doing that. Cameron kept doing the, uh, yeah, I made the most expensive movie ever made again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. I forgot he directed that movie. Yeah. yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the big, uh, the big movie news for me this week was with uh, Scream 5. Yay. Yes. That is, um, I mean, we knew she was going to come back, but that is such good news. I'm so, oh my God, I'm so excited for that. Mike, you heard this, right? I I haven't. So no, that's, that's good news. I'm glad that, uh, um, the, who's, who's coming back? No, yeah. Nev Campbell is coming back. Okay. From, yeah, yeah that's right. Now, yeah. But now, Mike, have you, have you seen all of the screen movies? I don't remember. I know no, we've never I have watched. not. So I've seen the first one and then bits and pieces of the other one. So I need okay. to get caught up on those. I, yeah. I got to say, they're all actually good. They are. Uh, they are all even even the third one, which a lot of people, which I have a soft spot for the third one. I really like that movie. Um, even even that one is very good. The third I one feel. was the first screen movie I saw in theaters because I was too same, young to see the first. Same two. here. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And um no, a, a Scream Four, I think, should have been such a bigger hit than it was. Yeah, Scream Scream Four, like it. it so Mike hasn't seen it, so I won't fully blow. It, but but what okay. um what what Craven did with Scream Four is he made a Scream, you know, like the original Scream movie. The idea behind it is let's poke fun at the horror genre and kind of like a make a meta horror movie. Scream uh-huh. Four did let's Scream Four did let's do that, but poke on it reboots. And I thought oh, yeah. it was, yeah. it's, it's brilliant. Like, like Craven obviously was very angry at the reboots of his films that got made, mm. but did it in like a tongue in cheek way. So he, he wrote oh, what if someone was trying to reboot the killings of the first movie? And it's like, this is actually kind of clever. Like, I like right. this, like, let, yeah. let's roll with it. And yeah, no, no one latched onto it. And it's, it's a bummer. Cause it was really well done. I it's think so good. I think the big problem is that they left the <clears throat> without blowing it characters returning as a bit of a surprise and tried to build the movie alone on the new cast and the new cast were kind of a bunch of wet blankets. 
and you, you know what I, I mean? I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, Campbell Cox and Arquette are built first in that movie. So no, I, but I think I don't with know the if trailers, I really agree with that. No, it was with the trailers. The trailers leaned heavily on the new kids, like that were being tortured. And like, so to me, and so to me, it was like, okay, I'm getting the other characters back, but is it going to be there in the first five minutes and they kill them? And then I'm stuck with these kids that I don't like, but yeah. then the movie they made was actually a legitimate bona fide sequel to scream. And so it's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, in the, uh, um, yeah, I mean, no, it was still very much Sidney Prescott's movie. Yeah, and they did yeah. not. I don't. They didn't really advertise it that way. Is is I think the, what well, I, that was kind of that was kind of the twist because the uh, the final girl ended yep. up being the killer. Yep, exactly. You know, I think which that that was I. I can honestly say that I never even considered her. No, not at all. I, I not never at did. all. I never did. That would that was that was a huge twist. So Mike, um, so Mike, if you can't tell, I run another show called The Tangent, and so we get off on tangents is is what no, ends no, up happening. Cool. But as long as you're enjoying the discussion, I am. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, what? Great, thank you. Which, uh, which actually talking about Stellan Skarsgård leads me to my that guy. Yes. That I'm going to stick with that person. I like I, it better. I like it. I agree. Um, that person actor, it, I got to go with Stellan Skarsgård because he's amazing. Um, and you would mostly recognize him in more recently, the Avengers movies, um, mm. as a professor running around in his underwear. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he has done a lot of other movies. He's been in. Mamma Mia, and he, you know, he's been on The Simpsons, and he's been in Chernobyl, and he's been in just so many other things. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, The Avengers, and uh, just so hard to even think of how many things he's been in. Like, it's just, it's wild. Like, he was in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and, you know, I... I can't, you know, mention Avengers enough. Um, but like he was on uh Arn. I I don't know, I've never seen that show. Um, but he was in Angels and Demons and on Entourage and 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 oh he was uh Bootstrap Bill in the Pirates of the Caribbean series. Yeah, like Scars oh, My word, this man is all over the place. And in this movie, he is definitely a that person mm -hmm. character because um, he doesn't have a big part, but he has a big presence. Mm -hmm. um, and let's not forget his uh, perhaps greatest contribution is fathering Alexander Skarsgård. And Bill. And Bill, too. Yeah. Yep. But he's actually got like nine kids. Yeah, it's 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 wild. Like that man is procreating like a rabbit. But he did, <laughs> he did. He and his partner did produce Alexander and Bill Skarsgård, who are also pretty great actors. You know, Bill was in uh, Hemlock Grove and most and more recently played Pennywise in the two It movies. And Alexander has been in a whole slew of things, mm -hmm. including something close to my heart, True Blood. Yes. I am a Truby. Yes. Um, 
but he's been in a slew of other things as well. He was in um, Battleship, and he did a movie called Blind on Netflix. Wait, was it Blind? Um, yeah, I know the movie you're talking about. I okay, think it's called yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Blind or... I don't remember if he was Blind or Deaf. But, he was Blind. Okay, then it was Blind. Um, but, yeah, like, they're all fantastic actors mm-hmm. and you know they learned it from one of the best their dad yeah um now my other that person actor is your quintessential new yorker michael rapaport yeah yeah um he's been in a ton of like i'm not gonna say small roles but you would definitely know him if you saw him. He's thin, he's white, he's got curly hair, um, kind of blondish red, um, usually sports a goatee. Um, but he, he kind of played like the quote-unquote god character that we talked about in um, Hollow Man. He, you know, kind of was up in the cockpit, like doing... The other stuff in the lab. That actually um, wasn't him, but I know who you're talking about, and I mix them up all the time. It was no, uh, Joey pretty, Joey Slotnick. Was that guy? No, pretty sure it was him. Um, anyway, Michael Rappaport has been uh, in tons of stuff. Um, he usually only does like one or two episodes on. A lot of things. So, like, he's been on SVU, and he's been on Big Bang Theory, and um, Louie, and Blackish, and Justified. He had, you know, a good stint on there. And uh, I guess he did a voice for Pound Puppies for a while. <laughs> um, so, you may not recognize him from there, but you may recognize his voice. Uh, he was on Inside Out. Um, as another voice. He was uh, on an episode of Royal Pains. Um, he was on Prison Break for a while. He uh, he was on My Name is Earl for a while as Frank Stump. Um, I was a big fan of that movie. I remember him on there. Um, and he's he's done a number of voice acting as well. He was also on uh, Boston Public. Um, but otherwise, a lot of his work has been either voice work or he does like one or like a few episode arcs or episodes arc on a show and then he moves on. Um, so those are my two that actor uh, choices. What about an MVP? An MVP? Oh man. Um, Oh, it's so hard to pick. Um, I gotta go with LL Cool J. I I nice. love him so much. He's my MVP. I just, uh he's I've I've loved as I said everything he's done. You know, from SWAT to you know his rapping career to hosting Lip Sync Battle. You know, nice. yep. I. I just, I love everything he does. I mean, it was a treat to see him in Mindhunters and doing, like, the crazy fight scene in that because he's more built for boxing. And so, like, even to see him using most of his upper body strength and toned down for that, like, that was really cool. And so I do love Cool James. 
Awesome. Stefan, what about you? Uh, that person and MVP, if you got him. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you actually took my that person, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we all were going to have star, the same one on that. Sorry, I think we can have like the stars of a movie still be a that person, especially if they're not that huge. I my agree. that person is the star of this, uh, Thomas Jane. Uh, yeah, who most notably is uh, the Punisher, who was also the the the. Uh, the Punisher I'm used to was um, what's his face Shane on The Walking Dead. Um, yeah, the well, yeah, no, the the Punisher, the 2004 movie. I mean, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, so like before that, yeah, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. yep. And speaking of The Walking Dead, um, did you know that he was the original choice to play Rick Grimes? Yep, I think I had heard that. Yep, when the show was uh, supposed to be on HBO. Mm. Yep, yeah. Be interesting how yeah. that show. You know. You know it, just would have had way more like nudity, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good zombies walking know, around. Yeah. Like every like everything on HBO. Frank um, Darabont and Thomas Jane get along real well. Uh, Jane was so friggin' good in the mist. And I was just gonna say, yep, that's the role I most remember him from. Yeah, that's awesome. What about MVP? Good sir. Uh, my MVP would probably be just. Uh, uh, the sharks, I say, they're they're yeah. great. And they're, <laughs> oh, yeah. A great, a great kind of plot device that they had with you know making them smarter. Yeah, because remember you you mentioned I think in the original episode, Chris, how in a lot of creature features, you know, it's just animals being animals. You know, they're not like extra menacing. Whereas in not this one, these. in this one, they are. It was like the ra- it was like the raptors in Jurassic Park. You know, it adds that extra level of like, wait a minute. Like we're used to dinosaur in jungle chasing people. Now we have dinosaur in building that's smart and learning. And -hmm. it's the same with the sharks. It's like these sharks are not, you know, they're not just coming up and sniffing somebody in the water and going, Hey, that might be tasty. They're out and hunting. And it's like, damn, like this is, I, I, one of my favorite scenes with the sharks is when the, I, I believe it's the scene where I forget which character was gets their arm bit when they're like, you oh, know, doing Samuel Jackson. Yeah. No, it's no, no, no. It's like the lion yeah. tamer in the mouth thing when they like, have it, you know, and I'm like, this is such a cool bit. And the shark looked amazing in that scene too. That the yes. puppet that they had was really cool. But yeah. since you I, did mention, sorry, Jess, go ahead. No, it's okay. I just, I got to give big ups to the shark who turned on the oven. Yeah. Like, like yes. you can swim backwards, you can throw a fucking stretcher, but for you to be able to turn on an oven, that is talent. But yeah. Oh, so MVP for me, since you mentioned Samuel L. Jackson, my MVP has got to go to Samuel L. Jackson because for for one thing, wasn't as big of a deal when this movie came out. As if Samuel L. Jackson was in this movie now, or even when Samuel L. Jackson was in Snakes on a Plane, you know, this was still, you know, he was jumping between serious stuff and funny stuff and, you know, kind of being uh, earlier in his career, I would say, you know, he was still a good, you know, five, six years into the really well-known guy. But for your 
Samuel L. Jackson type character to show up and have in the middle of the movie their giant hero speech. Like, this is the guy that's going to help them escape. <laughs> and then he just gets destroyed. And yep. it's such a great part. Um, and and, I, well, and um, the uh, one of the movies we're covering next week, actually, I think might have pay, paid a homage to that. Yep. I agree. Actually, uh, going off of Samuel Jackson or aside, um, I got to say the biggest disappointment and travesty of this movie is having Samuel Jackson in it and not one motherfucker. Yeah, that is true. And it's an R-rated movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's like, come on. How can you not have one without the other? Now. I will like to say before we move on to the critical reception that we we have had requests from people on social media to make sure we talk about Bird. Yes, which mm-hmm. actually can be tied to Anaconda. Oh. Yeah, we we actually uh quick did a quick uh talk about this the other night, Chris, that uh who provides the voice of Bird? That's right, Frank Welker. There you go. Yep. Yep. So honorable mention again, Mr. Frank Welker. Like we got to give big ups because this bird was his own character. Like you cannot ignore this bird. This bird will not let you ignore it. No. (laughs) Bird seems a little vindictive towards its, uh, it's human too. A couple times in there. I, I almost wish bird had like, just a little, like, flashback from LL Cool J. Like, in my mind, I see him getting bird, like, in a breakup. And the ex has, <laughs> like, taught bird all of these phrases. So that when he takes bird, like, this is how bird talks to him. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. One pump chump. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Just kidding, LL Cool J. No, um, <laughs> so, oh man, this is fun. Um, Stefan, how'd this movie fare with the critics? Will it do better than a 50%? Uh, yes, it will. Um, so 59% critical, 39% audience, which... Why do why do these audiences not like '90s creature feature? Did people just Oof. stop liking creature features for ten years? Like, I guess. I mean, where were the people that made um, Sharknado the like massive hit that it was? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you know, and those were obviously sci-fi, so I guess people expected it to be, were you know, worse. I don't know. Like I, I just remembered people loving these movies when they came out. This is so weird. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, I know um, Anaconda did get a lot of uh, Razzie nominations. It's <laughs> all because of the damn waterfall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does it? I mean, that movie, I got to say, $45 million in 97 was still a pretty cheap movie. Um. You know, forty-five million nowadays. You might as well be making a television show, but forty-five yeah. million in, in ninety-seven. But you'd think they could have at least like just digitized in water going in the other direction. 
Like, Brother. even if you're going to reverse the shot, just fix the water. You mm-hmm. know? Sharknado, just for reference, has a 74% critical and 33% audience. The critical <laughs> Uh, and 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 the critics, you know, remember that that's that's very um, that's actually good criticism in my opinion because it's them looking at it and understanding we're going to rate this on the scale that it's being built on, you know, and and I think people do that too few of a time with a movie, you know, like if you you got to rate the experience based on the experience it's trying to give you. You know, if you try to put Sharknado up against Citizen Kane, why would you do that? You know, (laughs) so they have nothing in common. (laughs) Right. Exactly. But (laughs) people will try to do stuff like that. Right. But to me, Sharknado is nowhere near as good as either of these three films. And I still love Sharknado, you know, But, but gauged on that same scale, Sharknado, you know, is like a. A 50% and these movies are like 70s it's just weird to me since it often takes the uh, you know nowadays folks subjectively looking back on these films we hope on on Twitter the most subjective place on the internet (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, how did the social media battle polls go Jess Uh, well we ran our poll for a week as usual and actually, Lake Placid and Anaconda tied at 21.4% while being spanked with a fin by Deep Blue Sea with 57.1%. I mean, it's because his hat is like a shark's fin. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, um, I have a confession to make. I since changed my preference from the episode. I initially said Lake Placid. But after I think I didn't rewatch Deep Blue Sea for the original recording. Sorry to say it. Oh, I know. Well, no, you watched you. You. I mean, we had three movies to cover and two guests, so you know, you each you each watched your own movie. That's how we used to do this back in the day. It's fine. Right. Yep. But um, yeah. To me, uh, Deep Blue Sea just stands out above them all. It just it it. And I think it all shows up on screen. It just feels a little more professionally made. And not to say Anaconda and Lake Placid don't. I I would agree. I think Deep Blue Sea might be the whole package. Whereas mm-hmm. um, Lake Placid and Anaconda are a little bit more rough around the edges. Um, like Deep Blue Sea is like the ultimate B-movie, I'd say. It really is. It could be the best made B-movie ever made. <laughs> like Because it, it's totally a B-movie, but it's like competently made. It's very mm-hmm. weird. I just, I, I don't even know if I can pick one. I just, I love all three of them. I think they're all great. I mean, Lake Placid, just for Betty White and having, like, a rager in a tent. I mean, just for that alone was mm-hmm. pretty great. But uh, with my love of snakes and, you know my love of sharks and uh, Samuel Jackson and LL Cool J and, you know, um, as crazy as Anaconda was, I just, I can't pick. I literally cannot. You don't have to. (laughs) No. And that's, what's great about this. And it looks like if we put everything together, it seems to sway in deep blue seas favor, just based on the social media polls and everything. But uh, I, I would agree. These movies, 
if you've never seen one of these three movies and you're listening to this show, first off, you should have watched them before listening. But if you haven't, they're <laughs> all worth your time. And what a hell of a triple feature oh, yeah. this would be. Yeah, I mean, I definitely plan on watching. Again, I didn't get to see the other two movies. I only got to see Lake Plaza. I definitely plan on watching those as soon as I can, uh, you know, as soon as they're playing on TV again. And uh, so looking forward to doing that just to kind of see how it uh, feels to see them after, you know, kind of analyzing all the different uh, aspects of the movie and just to see if that gives me a different perspective now. And But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I still... Yeah, I hear what you're saying about uh, Deep Blue Sea being, you know, your favorite of three. I think I still lean in the direction of of Lake Placid still being my favorite, even after this long discussion, because I really, uh, I really just, I, I love Betty White. I, lo- I, lo- I liked all the characters in the movie. Um, I liked that it, there was that kind of lighthearted part of it. Um, it wasn't just you know, scary and, and, you know, there was just more to the movie. So, but no, I, I Deep Blue Sea is definitely my second. I, I, I'll have to see Anaconda, but for right now it's still my third, uh, third place out of the three. <laughs> so, cool. No, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. So that was, that's my, my take. Well, with that then, um, Jess, tell folks where they can find our shows. We, we did it at the beginning. Let's tell them again. Okay, well, as we talked about Twitter, we uh, put up a new poll every Monday um, pertaining to usually the movie that we're recording or the movies that we're recording for on Friday. And we love your feedback. Um, And, you know, quite often you don't even need us to vote because you're already doing it. And we love to see which movie y'all like better. Um, besides that, we, uh, well, um, on Twitter, we are Fighting Films Podcast. On Facebook, we are Fighting Films Podcast. On Instagram, we are Fighting Films Podcast. And that's where I post, you know, random pictures, say if I get some new DVDs, or, you know, if Stefan and I are just hanging out, uh, recording a show, you know, I'll probably post a a photo of that in my messy, messy house. And um, you can also shoot us a Gmail if you want, uh, fightingfilmspod at gmail.com. And if you really love our show, if you really love us. And we and, know you do. And want to support us, you can find us on Patreon at Fighting Films Podcast. Thank you so much to our current patrons, uh, Karen and Brant. Um, we do have three tiers currently, but that may be changing in the future. Um, the first one, you know, if you find some change in your couch cushions, we do have the featherweight tier for a dollar per month. And you get a sneak peek into new shows and content. So you do get to hear the show ad-free a couple days earlier. Um, now, if you love us a little more and want to shoot us a little more, uh, for $5 a month, you get the new shows and content two days early. Um, you get patron-only access to behind-the-scenes content, like our goofs and, you know, flubs and, you know, say we trip up or something, or, you know, Chris needs to blurb again. Um, we we post gags and stuff out there. Uh, plus, you get a patron shout-out, just like Karen and Brandt. Um, and finally, at our top tier right now is our welterweight, um, so you get the content, the sneak peek, you do get a shout out, but you also get to choose one episode's theme. You choose the theme, 
we'll choose the movies. So those are our tiers. We hope to uh, see you in here real soon. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, another thing, you know, I'm we always something that's a, a good thing to touch on that I don't think we touched on um, enough at the beginning of this one that I want to bring back up is, you know, we we put these films together. Um, you know, often we have chats, you know, or we say, oh, wouldn't it be cool to put these two together? But I remember the three of these, Stefan, um, coming together. Maybe you remember differently than me, but I wanted to talk like how we tied these three films together. Do you, do you remember that a bit, Stefan? Because I don't think it was a three for originally, was it? No, it was going to be uh, Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Right. Right. I just remember that being compared as a kid for some reason, the two of them being compared for whatever reason. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's when we were talking and I was like, well, didn't one of those come out around the same time as deep blue sea and it all just kind of clicked together. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, another thing, you know, deep blue sea was, was deep blue sea the only one of these three that had like a song tie in. Yes. My anaconda don't. <laughs> Besides that one. <laughs> I should have done that, yeah. Because that was a huge deal in the 90s, right? Like, do you remember the last time that happened? Like, where a movie, like, had, like, a, you know, a rapper, or like, LL Cool J or a singer in it, and there was, like, a tie-in song that they seemed to do for the movie? I feel like that was really commonplace. It for was. A while. Well, you know, there was Wild Wild West in 99 also. Yeah. <laughs> Jess finally forced me to see that movie. Yes. <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, somehow I, I, I watched like five minutes of it before, like when I was a kid and I'm just like, God, this is stupid and turned it off. But, no, you will watch it. Yeah, you will. And you'll like it. <laughs> I, I tried. <laughs> Why would you do that to your friend? Right. Because it's good. Mm. Oh my Okay, he made me sit through fucking oh Hamlet too. Okay, you should have. I brought that movie up the other day when the someone from that movie was in something else we were watching, and she just shook her head for like a minute straight. Really? Yep. Oh no, no, yep. no, no! I know. Uh, it it is not my cup of tea. You either I love it, it. Or you hate it. I've noticed that. Can we all admit though that Kenneth Branagh? is incredible in wild wild west no matter what you think of the movie that guy is just chewing the scenery like no other yeah um i guess i just you know all the uh steampunk yeah of it, you know i just it's uh it's you know despite what people think of the whole movie it's uh definitely known as one of the better steampunk movies out there Oh yeah, it looks fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Plus, um, I actually found out uh who played opposite Jim West? Was that Kevin Klein? Kevin Klein. Yeah. Um, I found out that he actually played himself and the president. So that's pretty amazing. Very cool. Well, uh, Pardon the aside there. It just always seems fun to try to pull things back around full circle. So thank you everyone for listening to another episode of fighting films. Uh, it's been Stefan and yeah, thank you so much for listening. 
And this has been Jess. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you next time. And this has been Chris. Like we said, until next time, let's keep those films fighting. And uh, thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.